Okay, who's ready to have a baby? Right here, please get this thing out of me. That is what we're going to do. I changed my mind. I want the drugs. This is too much pain to handle. It's going to be okay, You shut up. This is your fault. Oh, it's too late for an epidural. I can't do this. However, we do have this new technology that enables us to transfer all the pain to your husband. What do you mean? Do it. It will relieve her pain during labor. I said do it. Are you up to it? Sure. Let's do it, Doc. Okay. Let me just set this up. And here we go. We'll start off with 15% pain going to the father. It's helping. That feels good? Oh, yeah. It feels a little better. Is it working? Looks like it's working for her, but I don't feel a thing. It's working. Definitely working. Sir, would you like me to turn it up? Yeah. Turn it up to 45%. Okay. Setting it to 45%. Did you change it? Yes, sir. Why don't I feel anything? How are you feeling, honey? This is amazing. Why didn't we do this from the start? Sorry about that. You can blame me for not being on top of that. Thank you so much. You still feel pain? Of course, I still feel the pain. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. But it's not as bad as it was before. Hello? Is that your mom? Where are you? It's Josh. Can you tell him you're busy? Listen. I need you to pick me up. I can't pick you up. I need to go to the hospital. That's where I'm at. My wife is going into labor. Are you okay? Hang up the f***ing phone. This hurts so f***ing bad. It feels like I'm passing a kidney stone the size of a watermelon right now i don't know what to do you need to get to the hospital right now just drive over why aren't you listening to me i have to go josh could you turn it up to 60 percent? it's still painful sure oh my god it's getting worse josh call 91 wait a minute what the f- is going you- on my wife have you been Josh, my best friend. This is not the time to talk about this. Turn it up to 100, Doc. Ah! Out of place, we ain't caring about your feelings here. Anytime, any place, you can feel it here. Steven Daniel out of space, so we clear the air. Any topic, and it's safe, so just be prepared. Don't assume, keep it straight, we might keep it fair. The new page, we gon' keep it real. If you tune in, then you sick for real. We took the red pill Every image in the video Talk about it Different views on the subject We might talk about it At the end of the day We just talking homie Only me in the room But it's like a party Introducing Stephen Daniel Author Artist All around Great Disney, breaking news. The prices are high. The portions of the food are small. It's crazy busy, but I'm going anyway. Who's with me? Seriously, I will be in Disneyland April 27th and Disney's California Adventure on May 3rd. So if you're there, don't hesitate to say hi. So what do you think about the Will Smith stuff? I know you already have seen and heard everything about this, but it was a nice little distraction from all the crazy shit out there. Because gas prices are still high. They're still screwing everybody over. And the CDC has just announced that you need to wear a mask over your eyes when you're pumping gas to prevent a heart attack. True story. I live in Southern California, and right now, right across the street from me, the Chevron is $6 per gallon. And that's for a regular. I feel it. But even with all the shit going on, I still take pleasure at watching some of these people suffer. The people who supported the responsible for this. They are freaking out because they have no idea how to live without money. There are what my wife and I like to call new poor. We are old poor. 
So the struggle is nothing new. First, they raised the prices of education, but they didn't care because they weren't a student. Next, they raised the price of rent, but they either still live with mommy and daddy or pay mortgage. So they didn't care. Next, they raised the price of insulin, but they weren't diabetic. So why would they care? Now they risen the price of gas and now they're freaking out. They have no one to turn to because the people they support and idolize are telling them to go buy Teslas. Go buy a Tesla. Many of their favorite politicians have drivers, so gas prices doesn't affect them either. So these people are feeling it. They will never understand what's going on. And if they did, they would never admit that they were wrong. Let's move on. I have a big update for Out of Place. Starting next month, I will be censoring the podcast. And that includes making all the previous episodes censored as well. (laughs) Me choosing to go completely uncensored has helped back this podcast. We feel that the podcast should reach as many people as possible. I'm still going to be talking the way I talk. It would just sound like a radio edit. When I started this podcast, it was a I don't give a podcast. All I did was vented about things. And then slowly I've changed to focus on how we can all improve ourselves. These great messages are not getting to as many people as it should. If you listeners desperately need to hear the podcast uncensored because you love hearing me say The uncensored version will be on YouTube. The title of the episode will say uncensored. So if you haven't yet, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Click the direct me link next to my name and you'll find a YouTube link. Anyways, we got an interesting episode for you. I'm going to shed some light on the most common arguments couples have. Arguments that are easily avoidable, but can be rough. I put a little twist to it. Instead of just talking about it, me and Donnie, an amazing voiceover artist, are going to act out these arguments for more relatability. I wrote this in exaggeration and over the top, but I know that there will be something that we say that will have you like, I said that, or we've argued about that. Another thing that I did was write the scenes as husband and wife, but this applies to all couples out there. For the What the Brit Show, Brit talks toll rings and pass out games. King Ducky talks Will Smith and Game Wardens. We also got some great debuts this episode, so stick around for that. We got Luna hosting the Wine and Shine. Buffalo Bailey will be hosting High Noon. And we got Sammy who will be hosting the Boombox. So let's get this started. Grab your favorite drink or turn up the volume in your car and enjoy the episode. Time to get touchy. Get ready to be triggered. Biggest mistake we make, right? Snapping at trivial (laughs) Men argue in individual items. Women argue in bulk. (laughs) Women have an amazing threshold for pain. They can go for weeks, years, putting up with our mistakes, right? Every time a woman says, it's okay, you know what that means? I'll get you. It's like watching a giant slingshot just constantly being pulled back with every mistake we make. He came home faced and woke her up. Mm. Criticized her family. Mm. Tried to one of her friends. Mm. This thing's cocked and loaded. It's ready to go. And you snap at some like, I don't want to go on Wednesday. She's like, really?
we're so stupid we stand there going, where the f*** did all this come from? James Smith nailed it. Couples argue. Sucks. The messed up part is that couples will have these hardcore arguments over the smallest things. Things that when you look back on it, you can't help but slap your forehead and say, that was stupid. That wasn't worth the headache and aggravation. And all of those arguments were based on miscommunication and assumptions. Think about when you argue with your partner. Most of the time, you both don't make any sense. You're always talking. No, no. You're always yelling in circles, never fixing the problem. You love each other, but you both chose to see who can yell the loudest, who can hurt their partner's heart the worst, who can make the other one cry first. Arguing sucks the life out of you. It shuts you down mentally and physically. It turns you into a villain. Nobody is a hero in an argument. Nobody is a winner because you both chose to be nasty to each other. And all of this is so normal. It's acceptable in society because everybody does it. We become focused on who's right. We fight hard instead of connecting. You don't care if you destroy your relationship because you are going to get your point across no matter what. You will attack your partner hard because your goal is to hurt them as much as he or she hurt you. Then you're like, what happened? We've been drifting apart. We have the same argument over and over. When I try to talk to her, she gets angry. When I try to talk to him, he gets cold and doesn't want to communicate. Things get intense and you feel stuck, hoping for the day that you get to talk to your partner without fighting. When you start a relationship, there is no certain point when arguments start happening. And there is no way to predict how the relationship will play out. As soon as you started arguing, it is the end of the beginning. When the passion for each other dies out, you both had your laughs, fun dates, beautiful adventures, and a lot of sexy times. It was like a fairy tale. Everything is great and peaceful. Then back to reality. Your bubble just got popped. You start noticing your partner's imperfections. Now you're annoyed and irritated by your partner and you start comparing to how they are now versus how they were when you met. You both start fighting a lot more and having sex less often. As soon as you start questioning your relationship, that is when the honeymoon phase wanes out. When arguing starts today, there are many people that check out of the relationship very fast. Things got too hard. Things got too real. They actually have to be grown-ups. <gasps> it's so hard. They think that there's no reason to try to fight for a relationship. Those people think that arguing means that couples no longer like each other and that the relationship is doomed to failure. I mean, it's scary as sometimes. We slam doors. We throw things. We scream. We stomp. We cry. We spit. We use excessive profanity. We do everything we can to hurt our partners. We become ugly. I used to have a very short fuse. I would get defensive very quick and boy, am I loud. I became an even bigger asshole. If my wife was being a and acting like she doesn't give a f I would take that as permission to be the most sarcastic spewing out the most passive aggressive possible. I used to be impatient. I wanted to deal with right away and just be done with it. We can have an argument and my wife could sleep and do stuff like nothing happened. And there I was not being able to sleep or game or do anything fun. After years of arguments, I decided to change the way I argue. I was tired of the headaches. I was tired of the crying. I was tired of trying to explain myself. I was tired of defending myself. I needed to find a way to deal with the problem so that it goes away and not come back. We cut out all the games. That led me to write my book, Cut It Out. We were just tired of it. 
My wife and I found ways to talk to each other respectfully. We found compromise. We heard each other out. And then we realized that fighting didn't mean we hated each other and needed to split. No, it meant that we cared about each other. That fighting was a bad way of trying to work on a solution. We took the arguments and turned it to our benefit. We made arguments our which helped make our marriage stronger. We both saw that we were keeping things inside and waited for the big explosions. And we realized that those things could kill our relationship. It's healthy to talk things out, but listening is the key. When you listen to what is actually being said, you will understand how your partner feels. You will feel good because what could have been a fight that was hardcore and brushed off became a good, productive discussion. The thing we did was stop threatening each other with divorce and breakup. It's a stupid tactic. That threat is not intimidating. It's stupid. It means you don't care about your relationship and that you don't value it. We stopped using it as blackmail when we got mad. We act like there's no such thing as divorces. If we are tired of each other, we just get through the rest of the day, go to bed, and try again the next day. The next thing we did was to put ourselves in each other's shoes. Your partner should be able to see the problem through your eyes. It is a way that both of you can feel respected and heard. When seeing each other's point of view would help us give each other the benefit of the doubt, we stop assuming and stop jumping to conclusions. I always try to assume that my wife is doing the best that she can. We stop running from fights and waiting for things to blow over so when it's all forgiven, it doesn't come back right around. We have a rule. If you're the one that walked away, you are the one that has to come back and talk. If I walk away, most of the time I get dressed and leave to go do some errands. It usually lasts about an hour or two. But when I come back, I am more calmer than I was before, and she is too. I then will calmly start the conversation. We stop name-calling. A husband accidentally ran a red light and the wife yells, What the f- are you doing, stupid? You didn't need to talk to each other like that. My wife and I stopped calling each other horrific names because when it all gets fixed, that stays with you for a long time. As soon as we got stronger, after years of practicing this, it became a bad team. We always stand next to each other for rich or poor or sickness and in health. We take on the world together. And the last thing we learned to do was forgive. I've said this many times. Forgive, forgive, forgive. There has been many things that my wife said to me, many things that was unfair thinking at that time, but I forgive her and she forgives me. We try our hardest to never bring up the stuff from the past. We let it go and forgive. Now, because we're human, we slip up every now and then, but we always quickly get right back on track. Fights never last in our relationship anymore. It's not about preventing the argument or how to say things during an argument. It's really about how to deal with it when you're done and how you end it. I've seen the dumbest arguments break relationships. And with people today giving up easily, divorce rates are at an all-time high as well as being single. Getting married is at an all-time low as well as having children. People don't like working for a relationship anymore. Going back to your parents' house is easier than dealing with the relationship. Now you're going to start hearing some common arguments that couples have. And I sprinkled in some of my personal experience to show you how it sounds. How you sound. Then after each argument, I'm going to give you my advice on how to deal with that topic. So, the first one is about money. Hello? Hi. Where are you? I'm at Walgreens. Do you need anything? No. No Coke Zero or Cadbury Bar? No. Can I ask you something? Go ahead. I was just looking at the account and saw that you spent $80 at Xbox Marketplace. And then you spent $42 on Amazon. Okay. What are those purchases? I bought a game on Xbox. Yeah, well, that's expensive for a game. It's new, and I bought the season pass with it. What the the season pass. So that when there's a new DLC, I don't have to spend more money on it. I don't want to know what a DLC is. So how about Amazon? Hmm? 
My special love for the grill broke, so I bought a whole new kit. It was on sale. You know, Ron, just has... talk to me before spending. <laughs> what? You're a hypocrite. Why would you say that? Before this, how much did I spend on myself? Uh, I don't know. Look at the bank app and see when the hell I spent anything that was for me. Well, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, because you don't want to see that you're full of you. No, you. You get mad that I spend money on the game, get mad when I replace something for the grill, but you go to Target, and instead of buying that we need, you're buying makeup, you're buying a $7 cup of coffee at Starbucks, you spend money on eating out, even though we spend hundreds of dollars every month for us to throw away food we're not going to cook, and your friends gets new boots or clothes or purses, and now you have to get it too. You have a gym membership that you don't even use. You're such an You act like a more materialistic and a, and a selfish I don't give a what you spend your money on. Just don't be suddenly watching our checking account like a hawk when you want something and can't get it. No, I'm trying to get us out of debt so that we don't have to worry about anymore. 90% of our debt is because of you. Oh, whatever. How many boxes from that you buy online comes to the house? I don't order The camera in front of the door is always ringing. Amazon or DoorDash? Amazon and DoorDash. When does it stop? So I can't buy things for myself? Like I said, I don't give a Just don't be a hypocrite when I spend a little money on myself. Yet we wouldn't be in this situation if you just, I don't know, made more money. What? You know what? No, I can't talk to you right now. I make good money. Enough for us to be comfortable. Sorry, I'm not a millionaire. Money can really mess things up in a relationship. It doesn't matter if you're poor or if you're a millionaire. Money problems will always be a thing and a difficult problem to get through. It is important that you and your partner have a calm and honest conversation about each other's finances, habits, and goals. The best way to handle financial chaos in a relationship is with communication. To be honest, all of this needed to be talked about before the wedding or before you got into a serious relationship. Most financial issues occur because both partners have different core values about money. It all depends on how they were raised. If a person is raised by families who always stuck to a budget, then he or she will grow to do the same, stretching a dollar as far as they could. If a person is raised by the you only live once parents, the YOLOs, then that person will always be in debt because he or she prioritize fun. Many times when each person works and they can't agree on a budget, they decide to split the bills down the middle. Sounds simple, right? You both paid your part and now you have money left over. What do you do with it? Now you're arguing about how to spend the leftover money because the stuff that you want is completely out of your budget. And if things happen, maybe certain things weren't getting paid or you couldn't save for something. Instead of working together, most couples play the blame game. You're at each other's throats, making it so hard to fix anything. And it's not just one discussion and done. No, you need to have this discussion once a month, once a quarter once a year, or whatever you two want because short-term and long-term goals change. Having regular conversation about money and making plans on how to use it will help you avoid arguments about money. Every couple should have four bank accounts. One bank account where you both put your check in, that's going to be your joint account. This account is how you pay bills, utilities, emergency funds, important the second account is the savings account. This is where you both agree to put a certain amount of money in it. Saving for things like going on a family vacation, renovating a part of the house or the yard, or down payment for a house, or new furniture. These are things you can save for so you don't have to charge big ticket items with your credit card. The third and fourth account should be for both people in the relationship to have their own bank account. Whatever money is in these accounts, that money belongs to whoever owns that account. 
You both don't have to check in with each other. You both don't have to ask permission. The bills are paid and money has been put into the savings. So now you can buy whatever the hell you want so that you can live your own life. One of the things that I see a lot of couples still doing is spending too much money on the wedding. What is sad, it's not even for the event and what it stands for. Nowadays, it's about having a Instagram pic. Couples spend on average $25,000. And if you live in a place like New York or Los Angeles, you could be spending almost three times that. And if you could pay it cash and you come from a family with a lot of money, go for it. Do it. Doesn't matter. But most couples can't afford that, so they go into the marriage with debt from the wedding, as well as credit card debt and maybe student loans. There are amazing budget-friendly wedding ideas out there that will give you the best of memories. I recommend budgeting the wedding and do it huge for your 10th anniversary. When you both have been making a little bit of money, you both got rid of some or all of the debt, you're just more mature with your money now. As a big Disney fan, I wanted to get married at the Disney World Pavilion that's right next to the Grand Floridian. For years, I'm talking since I was a kid, when we would leave the Magic Kingdom and then hop on the monorail on our way back to the parking lot, I would make sure I could see that pavilion. I would tell myself, one day, I'm going to get married there. But we got married in the courts right before my wife went to boot camp. I haven't given up. But instead of renewing our vows at the pavilion, I'm thinking the Disney Cruise. Especially the new ship, The Wish. The ceremony on the ship is a lot cheaper, and with family and friends that can be there, we'll make it into a nice vacation with them. Anyways, remember that when you both discuss financial things, it should be centered on love. There is no reason to treat each other badly because of money. Remember to talk to each other. It will be uncomfortable at first, but it will get easier. I promise you, you both will build a strong bond and live a happy relationship. Next is the sex argument. Hey, you. I like what I see. Come on, babe. I have to wake up early for work. What can I say? You turn me on, beautiful. Not today. Fine. We'll just wait another month. Did I say that? But that's the rule, right? What rule? That we only have sex once a month. You're so full of and you can forget about it now. It wasn't going to happen anyways, right? Look who can read my. You just said no. Because I'm not in the mood. I'll be back. Where are you going? None of your business. Now you're just going to walk away? You really want to know what I'm doing? Yes. I'm going to take care of myself. That's what the f*** I'm doing since my wife refuses to f*** me. Why is it always about sex with you? It's not always about sex. You make me seem like a, like, like a pervert. What is it that you don't understand that I'm not in the f- mood? That's the problem. You're never in the f- mood. No, I'm always in the mood. Since when? When we were dating, you couldn't wait to f- Now you didn't even let me be in the same bathroom as you. I just, um, never mind. No, say it. I wasn't going to say anything. Just say it. You hate it when I do the same sh- Have the f- Gross off. me the f- out. I gross you the f- out? Like, like how? I don't know. I can't explain. You don't think you gross me out too? You. you used to get all dressed up. You used to get all pretty for me. You got the makeup on. You you, you would put on the fine dresses. You got the hair all done. Then we get serious and it all goes away. How about you? You used to wear cologne all the time. You used to shave. You went to get a haircut all the time. Now we go out and you look like a f***ing bum. I'm embarrassed to be with you. Look in the f***ing mirror. Look what you're wearing now. You got that, that mom look going on. Because I'm a f***ing mom. Yeah, you're a mom, but look at you. Ponytail with the frizzies all over, always wearing layers because you don't want the world to see your f***ing rolls, and of course, yoga pants. They're not called yoga pants. Yoga pants, tight pants, whatever the f*** it's called, you all have the same f***ing look. At least I smell good. You are disgusting. Sometimes when you touch me, especially on my ass, I just want to throw up. 
let's tackle the looking good for each other part. In the other stages of the relationship, you got all decked out. Your woman wore the best outfits. You got your hair done. You got a pedicure and a manicure. You got waxed up wherever you needed to get waxed. And you shaved your legs and so on. Men, you went to the barber. You shaved. You got the best cologne on. You got your best outfit on. You got your bad shoes on. You both showered more. You used deodorant more. You changed your underwear. And you both made sure that you showed your most attractive self. All of those things should have been followed throughout the relationship, no matter how long you've been together. I always tried to look my best. Not for anybody else, not for me, but for my wife. I love her reaction every time I walked out of the door, and she loves the way I smell. She picks out my cologne, the one that I go out with, and I pick the cologne for after showering. And that after shower is just as expensive. I don't cheapen out on that shit either. I have to smell good, and I have to look my best. And my wife does the same. You and your partner need to try at all times to look and smell good for each other. You want your partner to find you attractive. And weight has nothing to do with being attractive. Make the effort. There are millions of people out there and you chose one person with whom you want to spend the rest of your life with. You need to look great for that person. You lovely women, you always try to look your best for your children, for your friends and your family members, but you need to look good for your partner too. Men, you look your best mostly for special events. You need to always look your best for your partner too. Trust me, when you start looking good, you start feeling good and you start feeling confident. That will also carry over to how you treat your partner. Now, let's talk about the sex part. You remember that honeymoon phase I talked about? Sex always dies down. Most couples don't know why and it causes frustration and becomes a blame game. There are a lot of reasons. Maybe one wants to have sex all the time while the other one just can't seem to get into it. Maybe erectile dysfunction is a problem. Maybe sex became boring for one of you. Maybe one of you feel guilty or shameful because of the way you were raised. Maybe there's a lack of emotional connection. Or maybe, like many, raising children cause your sex life to be in the back burner. You're just too tired from parenting to have sex. Before I start talking about this, never sleep with someone outside of your relationship. There's no faster way to ruin a relationship than by someone else. Having sex with someone other than your partner is a huge betrayal of your partner's trust and is more than likely going to end the relationship. There is no excuse to fuck someone else. Once you have sex with someone else, there is no coming back. So how do we fix the sex problem? Both of you wanting to try to fix sex problems in your relationship is an important step. It is also easier than you think. It will take both of you to be committed to make it work. I understand that it can be uncomfortable to talk about sex with your partner, but talking it out can be amazing. And a warning to you all, never try anything out of the blue, meaning don't surprise them. Like, what if you want to try can't just stick your dick in your partner's ass unexpectedly? Don't be afraid to ask your partner what they want. Get to know and understand each other's preferences, fantasies, and favorite styles. Understand that sex is not a race to see who can climax the fastest. You need to take your time. First, you need to go back to how things were. The thing that made you fall in love with one another. You need to find your way back to one another. Having a healthy sex life can help you both be very happy. To the one feeling too exhausted to have sex because of long work hours or anything on that level, you need to try to reduce that level of stress in your life. It might mean less time on the electronic devices when you're with your partner. Instead of being distracted, you can focus on your partner. If you're the one with the partner who's always tired, you have to communicate with them and try your best to help them reduce their stress. Don't skip the foreplay. Many men want to just get the shit over with. Women sometimes want it over with too. If you want your partner to climax, foreplay is key. Master it. Understand it. Foreplay will help make the lovemaking amazing. It helps avoid sex from being uncomfortable or painful. 
Gotta get your partner nice and ready. Can't just go right to f***. You need to get your partner into that mindset. Foreplay is so very easy. It can even start way before the bedroom. Like, you can send texts to your partner by telling them how much you want them. Suddenly, there's an anticipation throughout the day until you get together. You can also create the setting, like maybe candles, scents, music, or games. About toys, talking handcuffs, blindfolds, sex dice, vibrators, whips, nipple clamps, you get the idea. You can use creams and oils to massage your partner, too. Role-playing is a very good thing to start doing. Listen to our episode, Just Be Yourself, and listen to Rachel Reagan talk about this. It's going to have you ready for your partner tonight. You need to both learn to enjoy the moment. You both need to say, everything else, I need to focus on making my partner feel good. And if talking doesn't work, go to a sex or marriage therapist. Don't be afraid to go to sex therapy because it's just you and your partner talking shit out. Feel free to express your feelings honestly and get advice. It will be weird at first, but that will go away quickly. A therapist can give you both useful sex tips for a happy relationship. The whole focus should be about getting back the thrill and excitement in the bedroom. It shouldn't be frustrating or annoying. It should be fun and filled with passion. You both need to get to the point where you will look at each other and say, damn, can't wait to fuck her. Can't wait to fuck him. After 17 years of being with my wife, we still make out like we were teenagers. I still get goosebumps when I hold her hand. The next argument is about the partner who is a workaholic. Ah! Cute how you easily get scared watching a horror movie. Sorry, it's work. It's always work. Sorry, I just didn't expect this movie to be so long. It's a movie. We've only been watching it for 40 minutes. What's the problem? I just have to take a call around 6. What do you mean you have to take a call? For work. You promised to watch a movie with me. You know, I even picked a movie that you wanted to see. I would have rather picked a movie that I wanted to see. Nobody was stopping you from doing it. You're missing the point. Enlighten me. I just think... It's Georgie. I have to take this. Are you really going to walk away and answer the phone? It's work. You said that six was when you were going to call? That's 20 minutes away. Great. Can't you ever come out of that work zone? Ah! It's just going to keep on ringing. Answer it then. Hey. Hey, we got to Let me call you back. I'm busy with something. The, the wife? Yep. Talk to you in a little bit. Good luck. All right. You got my full attention. I don't feel like talking to you right now. You made me hang up for nothing then? You are selfish and considerate. What is the f- problem? Your office hours are from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's it. I don't understand why you have to keep working when you're supposed to be home. There's more to life than work. I can't just take a break whenever I feel like it. Why not? You like this house, right? You like the cars, the f- purses, and the sh- you buy. You weren't complaining when I took us on a f- cruise a few months ago. You never understand. Then help me understand. I have responsibilities. Doing things with your wife is also your responsibility. It's always something with you. Is this the kind of person you want to be? What kind of person, my dear? A workaholic who just lets life pass them by? A person who chooses work over family? I love my family. I support my family. I didn't say that you didn't love us. I just, I'm just saying. Then what the f*** is it? I'm Tell me. You always have all the f***ing answers. If you would let me talk, I could tell you. Fine, talk. Like I was saying... Buying us things is not the same as spending time with us. You can't just buy our love. I just can't believe that answering a couple of calls, responding to some texts and emails for work, is the worst thing that I could do. Yeah, every time Georgie and Hannah calls, you go run into that phone. There it is! Of course you would bring up Hannah. Yes, I'm going to bring Hannah up. 
You are a stupid You think that she is not into you. For the millionth time, there is nothing going on with Hannah. Yeah, right. Is this why you're always flipping out when the phone rings? You think it's her calling me? I don't like her. <laughs> I can see that. Can I ask why? Why the hell do you care? Just answer the question. It's because you want to her. Are you really that insecure? You know I would never you don't know that. Okay, you want to talk about Hannah? Yes. So let's first talk about Jim. Jim is my childhood friend. Childhood friend that wants to f*** you. You know I don't see him that way. I said he wants to f*** you. You're just too f stupid and blind to see it. I'm not stupid. You are if you don't see it. Every time he comes over, he's always flirty with you and always touching you. Yeah, you're just paranoid. And he does all of that right in front of me, being disrespectful to me. You should see some of the looks he's given. You're so full of You're the one that's full of Miss Queen gets to talk about my female co-workers, but talk about her male friends, and I'm the bad guy. Hannah and Jim are different. How? You've only known Hannah from work, which was what, almost a year, right? Jim and I have been friends since like second grade. Yeah, and you left out the dating in high school part. But we don't see each other like that anymore. That was years ago. I'll say it again. Even though you don't see him like that, that pathetic piece of is obsessed with you. Whatever, I'm going out. Yeah, say hi to Jim for me. Oh, f Go ahead, I dare you. Why, so you can run along to Miss- I bet she'll treat me better than you do. You. For this argument, there are three things to talk about. The putting work ahead of family, jealousy, and being friends with the opposite sex. First, let's talk about the workaholic partner. The partner that works all the time. The one that doesn't make their special events or simple family dinners. It's a sucky feeling. It leaves you feeling unappreciated and frustrated many times. To you, it's not about how many hours of the week they're working. It's how they are outside of those work hours. They are at work more often than being home. And when they're home, they're talking about work way too much. When they do spend time with you, they're distracted and have a hard time focusing. They even have a hard time sleeping. They don't know how to enjoy things with you other than work stuff. The first step is for you to understand the reason why they are workaholics. Sometimes your partner feels the need to work very hard to support their families, especially if he or she is the only breadwinner. Sometimes it might be that they are addicted to working. It may sound made up, but it's a real thing. There are people, and these people are people who don't have any hobbies, but these are people who have to stay busy. They're not outdoorsy people. They don't care to game. They don't care to watch TV. They don't care to shop. Nothing. They actually like working to fill the time. There are many companies that pressure their employees to be workaholics. Great managers like my stepfather would say, go home, take your mind off work and enjoy your family. The stuff will still be there tomorrow. But most managers out there don't think that way. If your boss says, I need this by tomorrow morning, you will feel like you have no choice. So maybe your partner is under that pressure. They feel like they have to stay up all night working. My father told me you always have to be better than the person next to you when it came to work and school. But what if your partner's co-workers are working overtime to get things done just to kiss ass to the boss, forcing you to do the same? Most people have that mentality that hard workers are employees' favorite employees. Your partner being a workaholic is very stressful. So the next thing you have to do is to tell your partner how you feel. Don't argue because you don't want them to feel worse. If you push too much, you might just make your partner go right back to work. Calmly talk to your partner and tell him or her how you are feeling. You both can then come up with a plan that can fix the problem. Your partner can't read your mind, and there is a possibility that he or she doesn't even know how you feel. Most workaholics don't even realize there's a problem. Now, what I'm about to say is not a very popular suggestion. But if talking doesn't work, if therapy doesn't work, 
you need to find ways to move on and kind of punish them for working too much. Here's what I mean. Let's use the family dinner as an example. Don't stress on your partner making it to dinner. Make the dinner at the time that you want you and the family to eat. Then when your partner comes home to eat, all they have is leftovers and cold food. Maybe you want to take the family to the movies or to the park. Don't cancel the outing. Just go. Even if it's a weekend trip to Disney, just go without your workaholic partner. Don't put your life and your family's life on hold for the partner that can't make the time. Enjoy life. Don't miss out. I'm not going to lie to you. This can backfire. But there is a big chance of them feeling left out. So only do this when nothing else has worked. There is no reason to miss out on things that bring you and the family joy. Let's talk about jealousy. The jealous person is the one that doesn't feel like they are enough for their partner, so they become very insecure. They see others outside the relationship a threat. The jealous partner will try to control their partner by preventing him or her from having friends. It's not healthy. A lot of times with the way movies and shows are, from what you see on social media, jealous people have this screwed up fantasy of relationships and think that that is what a relationship should be. It's okay to be a little jealous, but I'm talking small amounts of jealousy. It reminds couples not to take each other for granted. Many times, the little jealousy makes sex more passionate. If my wife sees a woman flirting with me, she'll be a little frustrated, but she won't go crazy on me. I think it's cute that after all these years, she still could look at me that way. I think it's innocent, and to be honest, I think it's sexy as hell. But being overly jealous can lead to an abusive relationship. It can ruin relationships. Being jealous can wear down your partner. If you are a jealous person, you don't need constant reassurance. You don't need to hack their email account. You don't need to go through their phones. You don't need to follow them everywhere. Stop it. There are many reasons why people can be overly jealous, and a lot has to do with their own experiences and messed up that they've gone through. That's why they're insecure. That's why they have poor self-image. That's why they fear that their partner will betray them. That's why they're scared of abandonment. That's why they have to be in control. That's why they have to be possessive. They keep reliving a hurtful experience. If she talks about a guy coworker a lot, I'm more happy that she found someone at work who's not boring, that make time go faster at work. Why am I like that? It's because at home, I made it inviting. I made it to the point where she does miss me when she goes to work. She understands that she is my one and only. And I look forward to going home with her at the end of the day. I'm not saying this to get brownie points and sh because she doesn't even listen to this podcast. She has me talking up her ears all the time. So why would she want more of that? So I'm not trying to score some points. I'm in love with my wife. It's not easy to get to this point, but she is my everything. Why the hell do I want to f*** that up? The only screwed up thing about that is that me being this confident and not caring about other women is what attracts more women. I'm confident and walk around as myself and anyone who's hung out with me know how I am. I'm not nervous because I'm not trying to f*** someone. And I don't know why, but women are attracted to men who ignore them. If a woman approaches me and talks to me, I'll have a conversation because I love talking. But as soon as I feel women flirting with me, as soon as I see the signs, the playing with the hair, the winking, the laughing at everything I say, the constant complimenting, I'm not going to say anymore. I can feel some of you women saying, how the f*** does he know this? I had and still have mostly female friends. And over the years, they let me in on how women think. And I let them know how men think. Anyways, when I start seeing this hardcore flirting going on, I start talking about my wife. I want to ignore them right away because that's not who I am. Sometimes talking about my wife scares them away. But there are times when that doesn't work. That's when I have to cut the conversation short, kind of rudely, and move on. They don't like that. Why? Many times, certain women get a lot of attention. They love the attention. They'll never admit it, but they love it. And when a man doesn't give them that attention, 
they are shocked. But I don't give a f- because like I said, I have that marriage that you saw in the notebook. I have the perfect marriage and I ain't going to f- it up. If your partner is feeling jealous, it is important to find out why that is happening. First, you have to work on getting your spouse to trust you. You have to show that you are faithful, you are committed, and that you are 100% honest with him or her. Second, you have to show your affection. Spend a lot of quality time together. Go on dates and have a nice talk with some wine at home. Give all your attention to your partner. Third, you have to understand that both of you are responsible. It doesn't matter if your partner is the jealous one. Your behavior was more than likely the cause. Let's take, for instance, what you just heard in the argument. The co-worker of the opposite sex. My character continues to work hard on a project. His co-worker, a female colleague, has been working just as hard and just as long as my character. They work late and sometimes get a drink together, always with another co-worker present. The character I play thinks it's normal office behavior that nothing will ever happen, but his wife can't help but feel jealous and it makes her really uncomfortable. Now, should the wife be worried that her husband is having an affair? It's hard not to worry about that because affairs rarely happen all of a sudden. The wife's feelings are important. She saw the warning signs of behaviors that is threatening her marriage. She should have talked calmly and addressed her concerns appropriately. She has every right to address the issue because it might lead to infidelity. Her husband should not dismiss it. Before I wrap up the jealousy thing, let's talk about being friends with the opposite sex. Many people will not agree with me. For you lovely listeners listening to me for the first time, I get along with female friends more than I do men. And trust me, I've tried to be friends with men, but just can't. We could be acquaintance, we could be gaming partners, and that's fine. But so far in my experience, physically, hanging out, talking on a regular basis, nobody. I think having friends of the opposite sex can be meaningful. Growing up, I always got along better with females. My closest friends were women. They didn't seem to like me romantically. I was the big teddy bear, and that actually caused problems in school. Their insecure boyfriends would think I was trying to steal their girlfriends, and some thought I was gay. Then when I got married, I was expected to stop being friends with the opposite sex. Eventually, I found myself lonely and friendless. Being married, I was forced to find male friends. When I did find the awesome friend who happens to be the opposite sex, the one that my wife was cool with, their partner put a stop to that. Over time, I started thinking, how can I have friends with the opposite sex without putting my marriage at risk? I created rules. The first rule was don't get too close. It doesn't matter if you are childhood friends. It's not worth the risk. If your friend can't respect that, you shouldn't be friends with that person anymore. It's the same if you experience the tiniest hint of attraction between you and that friend. If your friend gives you butterflies and goose pimples just by having coffee together, nope. I had a great co-worker friend in Atlanta. Shout out to Willie. He said, don't put yourself in a situation that has any signs of temptations. He said, even if that person did something first, you didn't do anything and that person did something to you, I would still be in the wrong for putting myself in that situation. So no matter how small the flirting or touching was, run. No one should know you better than your partner. No one. People like to say nobody knows you like your mother. I think this because my wife knows me a hell of a lot more than my mom does. Sharing your heart with someone builds intimacy. Focus on sharing your heart with your partner, not your friend. Like I said, don't get too close. You have to play it safe. So not getting close means keep to minimal interactions. Most people who have affairs started the affair with just small talk. Then it was a meeting for lunch. Then it was more alone time. Next thing you know, you're sharing intimate thoughts. Then all time is spent on that person. And then it's time. It always starts out harmless and it takes off from there. I try my best to avoid alone time with the opposite sex. You need to refrain from sharing personal relationship issues with that friend. 
You can share your thoughts on politics, entertainment, things going on in the world, your hopes, your passions, dreams, family, and fears, but problems in your relationship should be a no. I struggle with this a little because I'm a talkative person and sometimes I'll catch myself talking too much. I overshare, but I don't do it flirtatiously. I just do it because I like talking. If it's a work relationship, I make sure I'm surrounded by other co-workers or their partners. If it's just friends outside of the work, I make sure that my wife is coming along or I do my best not to make it feel like a date. That's how I play it safe. Second rule, take your partner into consideration. I talk to my wife about the interactions I have with my friends. Now, I don't blab everything that was said to me. I talk about things that most people who are not loyal will hide from their partner, which leads to the third rule. If you have to hide it or delete it, don't do it. If you get jumpy when your partner sees you on your phone, stop doing what you're doing. It feels good that I can forget my phone at home because my wife knows all my passwords and passcodes and I don't delete stuff. I actually forget to log out of things and close windows and I also hoard emails. So even if I tried to be sneaky, I would fail miserably. If you're constantly interacting with the friend of the opposite sex online and you keep liking and commenting on all of their social media stuff, you need to stop. Liking something every now and then is fine, but not every post. It would be seen as flirtatious and not look very well with your partner. And on top of that, there may be individuals on your social media who is waiting at the opportunity for your relationship to fail. So they will not have a hard time snitching on you. So if you have to hide the friendship, if you're spending more time with your friend than your partner, if you have to hide messages, if you keep sharing intimate details about your relationship, if it feels just a tiny bit wrong, stop it. Fourth rule, keep away from exes. Exes do not make good friends. Those people that say that they are best friends with their ex. Nope, I don't care if you disagree with me. It's a recipe for disaster. The only time you should deal with them is that you have children together. That is when you put your way your feelings for that person, whether it's bad or good feelings, and only think of how God put you two together to create someone that is such a blessing. Other than having children with an ex, there is no reason why you should be in touch with them. To me, it's the worst person of the opposite sex friendships you can ever have. The final rule I have is to always share how in love I am with my partner. In my experiences, this is the easiest way to wean out the friends who are interested in me. I talk about my wife a lot and express how much I'm in love. Sometimes I don't hear from those people anymore and it sucks sometimes. After it started off great and then all of a sudden I don't hear from them. I don't pursue that friendship anymore because it's not worth the risk. Now, if you're the one worried about your partner and his friend of the opposite sex, here's my advice on that because I've gone through it. First, see if that friend was there before your partner met you. Those types of friendships have been building for a long time, meaning you have to be careful how you handle that. That friend may be really important to your partner. You then have to make sure that your insecurities is not projected onto your partner. That means you have to figure out why you have strong feelings of jealousy and insecurity. Seeing your partner have a healthy friendship with the opposite sex is probably triggering some old stuff. To wrap this friend thing up, remember if you work close with an opposite sex co-worker, keep your in-office interactions as public as possible and make sure you talk up your partner all the time. I'm talking... Display photos of your family and show off who is important to you. Try your best to avoid going off-site alone with your coworker friend to lunches or anything that has you both alone. And if you can, make sure that there are people with you. And if you have no choice to be alone, don't your relationship up. I think it's very possible to be friends with the opposite sex. 
There are many people who are like me. And if you're like me, you need to ignore people who believe that friends of the opposite sex always lead to sex. I truly believe that two adults, no matter who they are, can enjoy a platonic friendship as long as both are committed to the friendship, not a relationship, a good friendship. All you have to do is set boundaries so that you're sending a clear message that you only want to be friends. Stay in the friend zone. Next is the argument about doing chores. Honey. What? Could you come here, please? Where? The kitchen. What happened? Thank you for finally taking out the trash, but when you take the trash out, can you please put a new garbage bag in? I threw away something, and now I made a mess in the bin, and now I have to clean it up. Really? This is what you're going to about now? When you do something half it's as good as not doing it at all. I took out the trash. My bad for making a simple mistake. This is not the first time. You do everything half and I'm always asking you to take out the trash. I forget sometimes. It's not like I don't want to do it. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It also feels like you're doing this on purpose, just to piss me off. Why can't you put in the damn trash bag? I work all day long yeah, to- Yeah, I work too. Except I do more. The you do? What do you do? You work, you come home, watch TV, or play games. What the do you do? I do stuff. Like what? You know, I work too. But when I come home, I have to cook and make sure the kids are good, bathed, and, and well-fed. And then the weekend comes and I'm doing nothing but cleaning and, and tell me what the f*** you do. Tell me! See? You can't think of anything. So all I ask is for you to do the small things, like, like taking out the f- trash and doing it right. You work like 35 hours a week, sitting on your ass and talking with your friends. You guys hang out more than you do work. I work 60 f***ing hours. Many times more. I am tired. Then when I get home, you don't let me f***ing breathe. It's always, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I sit for five minutes and I'm the bad guy. I find myself standing watching TV sometimes because at any moment my wife is going to come into the room and me out about something. I don't you out. You want to know why I don't help you out as much? It's because you don't let me. What do you mean I don't let you help around the house? I don't do anything right. You're doing the dishes wrong. You're folding the laundry wrong. You put too much soap. I don't like what you put out for the kids to wear. Wrong place to put the mail. Wrong place to put the keys. Wrong place to put the cup. Can you not clean the bathroom that way? Don't use those pillows. Don't use those hand towels. You're supposed to mop this way. You're using the wrong broom. You park bad. You're vacuuming too fast. You dust it all wrong. Nothing I do is right. So why should I keep trying? It's so simple. I'm waiting for the answer. All you had to do was listen the first time on how I want things. I like this house clean and done right. Sorry if I don't want to live in a happy clean house. All you had to do was listen. And all you had to do was stop nagging. I don't know. You nag all the time. It would be nice if you could just talk to me like a normal adult and not like a child. I've tried talking to you, but guess what? You don't listen. It's hard to listen when you're always nagging. Nothing good comes out of your mouth. I am sick and tired of being labeled a nag for just telling you to do the simplest of things. You know, how hard is it for you to put your dirty clothes in the laundry basket? Not next to it? Inside the basket? If you actually tried doing the basic tasks, maybe you'd stop here and meet about it. Even if I did things your way, you will still find something new to bitch about. You think, because you pay most of the bills, you get to treat me this way. Sorry that I like our home to feel like a home. I like having a nice, clean place to come home to. I take care of your every need. 
every day I make sure that you have a wonderful meal that doesn't taste like You think I don't want to sit in my when I get home? I want to do that. But I get home, and I get right to cooking. I don't sit right away. I'm standing right there in the kitchen making our meal. And do you offer to help with the dishes? No. As soon as I even mention dishes, just slightly, you're huffing and puffing like a toddler. It would be nice if you did things the first time I ask, without without you complaining. I'm not your mom. Just do things without me having to ask. You don't appreciate anything that I do. Because nothing I ever do is good enough. You want to talk about feeling appreciated? You don't appreciate anything I do. You say I don't vacuum, but you don't hear me you out when you're not helping me with the yard work. You don't mow the lawn. You don't pull the weeds. You don't clean the gutters. You don't pressure wash. You don't do front yard You don't do backyard Something's wrong with the plumbing. That's the husband's job. Something is wrong with the light bulb. That's the husband's job. A bug, a rodent comes in. That's the husband's job. Something's wrong with anything electric or anything electronic. That's the husband's job. Do I get a thank you from my wife? Nope. You like driving around in a clean car, right? I never hear you say thank you for cleaning and detailing my car every other week. Speaking of cars, it's also my job to get the cars fixed, right? Because when shit happens, suddenly you play dumb. My oil needs change. What do I do? My car is out of gas. Who will fill it? What about the projects you see on, on Pinterest or that thing, the, Instagram? You see something on there and you start to... I was thinking about doing something together this weekend. Nope! It's me doing the project while you me out on how I'm not doing it right like the picture. I helped you with the garden. You helped me out one out of five days. Five days to build something you, you, you don't even use. You took pictures for your post and, and was done. Look out the window. The plants are all dead. Nice trying, trying to make me the bad guy. What the are you talking about? I'm not a bad wife. I never said that. But see, when I corner you and call you out, you start playing the victim. Poor you. Poor f***ing you. You know what? You can go f*** yourself. There you go. That's the thank you I was looking for. Chores. This is the big one. A very stupid argument to have. I think that chores are what most couples argue about. More than finances, children, and sex. Talk to a couple that is in a happy relationship and they'll tell you they never argue about chores. My wife and I never argue about chores and stuff. Nobody likes to do chores. I don't like it. I don't know anyone who loves doing chores. You both live in the house. It's both of your jobs. You need to share the chores. I take out the trash all the time. I was raised that it's a man's job. But if I forget to take it out, my wife won't and complain. She just takes out the trash and puts in a new bag. And if I saw that she took it out, I thank her. Done. She's not pissed. We're not going to argue about this dumb thing. We also tackle the dishes together most of the time. There are times where maybe she fell asleep on the couch or maybe I'm editing something and I need the extra time so one person has to do it. But if we're doing it alone, we don't huff and puff and get all bent out of shape. It's dishes. If my wife helped me six out of seven times with the dishes in one week, I see that as a win. I understand she wants to chill. She understands that I want to chill. We both have our separate hobbies. She loves to cookie decorate, and I work on graphic novels and podcasting stuff in the day since I game when everyone is asleep. So we help each other with household stuff so we can move on from it. So we help each other with household stuff all the time. By helping your partner out with sharing chores, the chore wars can finally end. 
I would say that the majority of the fights about chores happened because expectations are not met and that there was no talking about it. A lot of people were raised by a home who are stuck with the old chore delegation system. Men had certain chores and women had certain chores. I can't remember seeing my stepdad or father doing chores in the house. Yard work, yes. Cleaning cars, yes. We kind of do the same. This is what has worked in our household since my wife and I were raised with that 1950s mentality. We kind of stuck to that, but kind of. I wash and detail the cars unless we live in a place that doesn't allow us to do that. So then we have to get it washed somewhere. My wife does stuff that I don't care for. She'll clean out the fridge. And I'm not talking about throwing away stuff because we don't over shop and don't keep the fridge packed with stuff we don't use. I'm talking wiping and cleaning things. She will clean the oven and organize the drunk drawers. Now, in my case, I'm a stay home father. So I'll dust, vacuum, clean the bathroom and clean the sheets and all that stuff. But the stuff that we do together is stuff like doing the dishes, folding the clothes, taking out the trash and even cooking. She'll cook if I don't feel well or have a gout flare up. But the majority of the time I cook. But you know what she does? She has an opportunity to chill, but she doesn't. She makes sure that I have all the ingredients ready and prepared for the meal. If I needed cheese grated, things diced or things chopped up, she got it. She puts spices and ramekins for me. She measures out liquids for me. She preps things like if I was ready to do a YouTube video on cooking. I've tried to kick her out of the kitchen, but my mother said to stop trying to kick her out because she is choosing to spend time with me. So just let her be. So we bond in the kitchen, talking about life and work and just enjoy each other's company. Once she is done helping me prep, then she relaxes. And I don't mean to sound like a about it, but chores is the dumbest thing to argue about. We are not in the Jetsons area where a robot can do all of the stuff for us. There is no reason to make your partner unhappy about getting chores done. This is a stress that you both don't need. Your partner should never have to ask for help. Asking for help implies that the chores belong to the person asking. I'm telling you, dividing and sharing the housework stuff can help create a happy relationship and one thing less to argue about. What do you do about making the time to do it? What schedule do you follow? That is something you both have to agree on. Something you have to talk about. In our house, I have my own schedule. I was one of the first group of people that helped launch MET for Home Depot back in 2008. It's a merchandising team. Every day, we will work on projects and organize a different section for different Home Depots. I apply the same concept here at home. Every day, I do a different chore, and I split it into two weeks. One week, I focus on upstairs. The other week, I focus on downstairs, with every Friday only focusing on cleaning the half bathroom, because I have three boys, and I don't need to say any more. Saturday, we do errands. Sunday is church, and I game with the boys and chill. I grew up with the whole Saturday morning dedicated to chores. I hated it all clumped up. It was exhausting, so what we do now works for us. I love it because, let's say, it's time to tackle my bedroom. I can organize and focus on details instead of half-assing it because we have to clean the rest of the house. Work on schedules that is best suited for you both. As always, communication is key. If you both can't seem to agree on dividing the chores or maybe you're an old fart and can't do the chores like you used to, then hire some outside help if you can budget it. I've seen people do this and it helped prevent arguing about chores. So maybe that could be a thing for you. Man, if I could afford it, I would definitely hire someone to clean every week. Sadly, I'm still broke. The next argument is about family. Thank you for dinner. It was great. I'm glad you like it. It's from our favorite restaurant. You didn't cook that meal? I wish I could cook like that. Of course you didn't make it yourself. Maybe one day you'll learn. My son needs a home-cooked meal. I cooked for my family almost every night. I, <laughs> it's okay, honey. Not everybody can cook and keep a tidy house. Anyways, I'll see you soon. Okay, bye, Mom. 
Call me when you get home. Yeah, thank you for coming. Bye. That was nice. For you. What do you mean? She's always insulting me, and it just always makes me feel like... She's just messing around. Oh, she is. She insults me, and you never defend me. I defend you. I always stand up for you with my family. I don't even talk to my aunt anymore because of that she said, but I stood up to her. I know. <laughs> do you? Every time your mother comes over, she makes me feel like I'm this horrible wife. Like, like you didn't pick the woman she wanted. Like, I'm not good enough for her son. You're just overthinking. I'm not overthinking. She always pushes my buttons right in front of you when you never say anything. What do you want me to do? She's my mom. I want you to stop being a mama's boy and defend me. I'm not a mama's boy. I just want you to have my back the same way I've always had yours. I'm so full of How am I full of How about your sister? What about her? She lies and always manipulates you into giving her money. You pay for her groceries, you pay for her phone bills sometimes, and you buy her all the time. I can't give my sister things? You could give her all the damn things you want, but she is a grown woman who needs to learn not to piss her money away on clubbing, drinking, and drugs and You buy her like if you were her mother. So? She doesn't need her sister to buy her shampoo and soap if it's here's some makeup or here's a coffee or a movie ticket or some it's all fine but when you need to buy her milk because she chose to spend it on alcohol that's can buy whatever i want to buy what about when she wants to hang out or calls you when she knows you and me are out she doesn't do it on purpose yes she does last week you told her that we were going to that amazing restaurant for our anniversary and what did she do when we were having a nice dinner drunk cries and begs you to go see her and what do we do we stop what the fuck we're doing we stop our anniversary dinner to go babysit your fuck sister don't talk about her like that you can get on me about my mom but don't you dare talk about your sister i wish you could see how your sister control you well i wish you could see how your mother controls you how she has to have this say and how this house is ran you and your sister. Matter of fact, your whole damn drunk family. You. You fell in love with your partner. Your relationship is great, but you know what came with your partner? Their siblings, their parents, and their extended family members. Some family members can bring nothing but smiles and some will bring nothing but headaches. If you think your relationship can fail because your partner's family don't like you or your family don't like your partner, you are very wrong. You can have a wonderful relationship even if you have difficult family members. Problems with the family member can include frequent criticisms, as you heard in the argument. They give unsolicited advice. They exclude someone's partner from family gatherings. They spread gossip. They can manipulate. They can be controlling. There can be unexpected requests like loaning money. There can also be invasions of privacy. They can make things very difficult. My story was only a tiny bit difficult compared to what I've heard and seen people go through, but I'll tell that story in a little bit. There's an article that I read years ago that said people who are on good terms with their partners, parents are more than likely going to live a long lasting relationship than those struggle to get along with their in-laws. But I think they're wrong. And what's is that Hollywood always highlights the in-laws as dysfunctional. It's always the meddling mother-in-law or the mean protective father-in-law, but it really isn't like that. And a lot of people go into their relationship thinking all of this, and they're ready to fight. So how do you deal with the difficult family member? The sibling that is always asking for money. The grandparents who are set in their racist ways. The parents that meddle in everything. Unfortunately, the old saying about marrying your partner's family is very true. 
How the hell do you deal with that? You have to learn how to respond to family problems before it damages your relationship. First, you have to set boundaries. You have to not be afraid to stand up to your family and calmly explain the boundaries to them. It's important to remain calm. If they blow up, let them be. Stop talking to them for a little bit because most times they'll see they're in the wrong. You don't want family members to make you feel like they're intruding on your life. Like if there were people knocking on your door soliciting some Second thing you have to do is to not go to a family member or even a friend about problems in your relationship. You will forgive your partner, but they will not. It's happened to us with her family and friends. My family like my wife way too much that if we were to split, they'll still be inviting her to things. But her family and friends hated my for a little bit because she mistakenly confided in them back when we were young and stupid. My wife and I met when I was 19 and she was 18. So we didn't know any better. But it's easy to bring a third person into the problem. Complaining and venting will help relieve the stress, but that family member or friend will hold a grudge. My wife has a couple of friends who, for some reason, hate my guts. I don't know why. Well, I think it's because of assumptions for one and jealousy with another. I was nothing but respectful to them, but they disliked me so much that they made it uncomfortable for my wife. Now they're distant friends. It's sad, but in the words of Rick, what is the door, baby? Sorry, that's the best impression of Rick I could do. Anyways, third, you need to make your relationship a priority when it comes to family members affecting it. Protect it. It's going to take some balls. It's going to be anger headed your way. Learn to tolerate them and forgive them and then say, see ya. If you want a healthy relationship with your partner, you need to do just that. You need to have your partners back. You started a new life. You started a new family. That will take priority over your old life. If there is a disagreement between your partner and your family, you need to side with your partner. Only if your partner was respectful and doing things rationally. There's been times where my wife was in the wrong, but I still stood up for her. I lied for her. I for her. But she heard my mouth later on for putting me through that. But when goes down, I will always side with my wife. I put God first, then my wife, then my children, then my parents, then my siblings, then close friends, then family. I don't care about what anybody thinks. This is how I set my priorities and the hell with anybody who thinks otherwise. The fourth thing to do is to give it time. My mother said something a while ago that no matter what quarrel I get into, things can always be mended. It just takes time. We are a military family, so we're far from people right now. If I have a falling out with someone, it's a little bit difficult to fix the problem with just the phone. But seeing that person in the flesh adds time. Things could get fixed. Take, for instance, my relationship with my father-in-law. At first, it was wonderful. Then I made some regrettable mistakes, and then it was not so wonderful. And this was all before our wedding. Then when heading to Jersey with my stepdad to see my wife graduate boot camp, I asked my stepdad advice on my father-in-law. He said the same thing. Time. He said proof to him that you could take care of his daughter. He'll come around. He also said be respectful to him no matter what. And if you keep your promise to take care of your wife, like a man should do, then he will come around. He said it could be months, could be years, but that day will come. And I'll tell you right now, my father-in-law is one of my favorite people in the world. I love him like crazy. In fact, just this past January, some of you already know, we both spent a week in Orlando, just he and I, and it was one of the best vacations I've ever had. That's how close we are now. All it took was time. You just have to love that person and respect them while at the same time protecting your relationship. You don't want to feel like a prisoner in your own place. You don't want to have to lock yourself in the room when your partner's family comes over. It's not a good thing to do. The fifth thing to do is to master at managing the relationship with your family. You have to deal with it. Don't allow your partner to deal with the drama themselves. 
Learn how to talk to the toxic family member before they poison your relationship. When your family member becomes abusive, when they meddle in your relationship or how they're raising your children, when they do unexpected visits and expect you to be okay with it, whatever messed up thing they do, it's up to you to stop them. They will do whatever they want to do. You just have to stop letting them affect your relationship and stop going along with it. Focus on your relationship and your children. That's it. There are a few things you could do to protect your relationship from family members that try to ruin it, whether it's intentional or not. Remember to always be respectful towards them no matter how they act, because it's not worth changing yourself into a person you don't like. Next is the gaming argument. Babe, you said we were going to hang out or watch a movie or something. I promise. I, I'm almost done. I'm, I'm about to wrap it up right now. That's what you said an hour ago. I know, I know. I, I'm sorry. It's just we started kicking ass and we lost track of time. I, I'm going to wrap it up right now. You know what? I'm just going to Carly's house. Keep playing her game. I gotta go, guys. I'll hop on later. Man, f you all. Suck my left. Peace. All right. Let's go watch the movie. I don't want to watch the movie with you anymore. You just made me stop playing, and now you're going to change your mind? Yeah, I changed my mind. I hate when you do like this. You always play these games first you want me to get off and now you don't i want you to want to hang out with me you're always playing games you you wake up late because you've been playing all night then turn on the system piss and then play the game again so what i'll stop it's annoying you want me to stop yes i want you to stop this is all i got really this is all you got your wife doesn't matter our home doesn't matter your priorities are all what about you and your phone what about it you know what happens when i do hang out with you you're scrolling through the phone not doing anything important just on social media liking and sharing dumb shit. listen nobody gives a what a disney pretzel looks like with the right filter i'm not always on my phone i put on a movie and there you are not paying attention because you're on the phone we go out to eat and you're on the phone we're having a conversation and guess what instead of paying attention you're on the phone maybe it's because you're so boring you ever thought that's the reason why i do that yeah it's the same reason why i prefer to game rather than hang out with your entitled oh f you i wish you f me but it looks like i'm always competing with your f phone you know what i'm going to do what are you gonna do what the f are you doing with my console i hate this thing and i hate you what the f is wrong with you all of my f in there you're acting like a f child i'm the child who's the one that plays Video games. Video games are for little kids. It's an escape from reality. The same reason why you wear makeup, right? No one is supposed to see the ugly that you are. Have you ever looked in the mirror lately? You know, you don't look like a ray of sunshine either. What the is wrong with you? You know how much time I spend on that system? How much money I invested in that? Because that's all you care about. Maybe now you'll listen to me. I'm done with you. I'm done with you. I hate you. Get the out. I'll be happy to, you does that make you feel good talking to me like that? Does it make you feel like a man? Yes, it does. You're not a man. What kind of man has a small... Yeah, a small stupid ass who hangs out with a fake... Fake hair, fake nails, fake face. Nothing about you is real. We are over. I hope you get into an accident and go the to hell. I'm going to cover two things. The gaming problem and the phone addiction. First, the gaming problem. I'm a gamer. I game almost every night. It is my getaway from reality. A break from the chaos that life brings at my doorstep. 
but I know how to manage it. Well, the only time I can, I'll can i play when they're awake is when a family member or a friend that can only play at a certain time because of the time difference. They're on the other side of the world or country, and they have to play in a certain time. Other than that, I wait. Unfortunately, there are gamers who don't care what their partners are doing as long as they're gaming. Today, gaming has a negative impact on relationships. There are gamers who are so addicted to gaming that they don't care and will put gaming ahead of their partner, their family, and their responsibilities. I will defend gamers, but I will also call them out when I need to. In this case, gamers who refuse to step up and be mature are entitled idiots. I'm not saying to get rid of your console or PCs, just step up. My father always said this to me growing up, work hard now and play later. It feels good to play games at the end of the day, knowing that I did everything that I needed to do that day. Life is too short to spend so much time in front of a screen. If you're in a relationship and you have responsibilities, then you need to grow the f*** up and take care of it. Step away from the virtual worlds and come back to reality. Gaming will always be there unless gaming is your main job and that's how you pay the bills. Then yeah, then it's fine. This is for the gamers who work, who are in relationships, who maybe have children and they have other stuff they need to take care of. Gaming should not have you disconnected with your partner. Gaming shouldn't have you zoning out during family time. Gaming shouldn't even have you losing sleep. Like I said, I'm a gamer. Unless I'm sick or on vacation or my wife wants to watch a movie, I'm playing about an hour and a half every night. It's the perfect amount of time to game without it consuming my life. I don't let gaming become my only reality. I make sure that I have a healthy balance. I got to the point that if I was planning to game and my wife wanted to watch a movie, she actually feels bad. That's when I know I've done something right. I put it aside and I tell her that game will be there tomorrow night. Let's eat up some popcorn and enjoy the movie together. So you gamers that have responsibilities, master at managing your time. Make time for your partner. Make time for your children if you have any. Make time for your work. Make time for your chores. And when you did all that you could do that day, then it's time to game. And like I said, this is if you game for fun. If you're trying to make money streaming, that's different. But when you're gaming, after everything is done, then you'll be able to game guilt-free. Now, what if you're a gamer and you do everything right, you did exactly what I said to do and maybe even did it better, but your partner hates everything about video games. Your partner is an entitled selfless person and wants all the attention on him or her. These are the type of people who would delete accounts, delete saved files, smash consoles and monitors. If you're that type of person, you need to stop. You need to stop abusing your partner for playing video games. You need to stop doing all that toxic. And don't lie that you don't have a problem with your partner playing video games is Look how you act every time your partner plays video games. And the reason why it makes you mad is because you can't stand your partner happy and you had nothing to do with that happiness. Your partner is not cheating. Your partner is not high or drunk somewhere. Your partner is in the other room gaming. That's it. If you're mad because your partner may be addicted to gaming, then that's when you got to talk to them and have an open discussion. But if they're doing everything they should be doing and you can't stand them for having a little time for herself or himself, you are the problem. If you feel neglected, then tell that to your partner. Don't go smashing monitors and breaking consoles. This subject drives me nuts because lately I've seen a lot of non-gamers getting upset because he or she doesn't give a damn about gaming, so they go crazy. They don't understand the gaming world. And then you got the gamer who never takes the non-gamer partner into consideration. Hey, we're supposed to hang out, but I'm going to game, so sit on my bed and watch me. What the f*** is that? So non-gamers, be respectful to their time and if your gamer partner is acting like a little middle school piece first try to talk to them calmly and if that doesn't work go find something to do that puts a smile on your face be selfish too another thing you could do is play alongside with your partner 
they probably would like that. When I see somebody doing that, I see the non-gamer wanting to spend time with the gamer to do stuff that he or she wants to do. And most of the time, it's that simple. No one had to go nuts and crazy. And you gamers, never let your non-gamer partner feel neglected. Your partner just wants you. No gaming, no internet, no phones, just the two of you. Your computer, your console is not more important than your partner. Let him and her know that. Let them feel it. Your non-gamer partner should never come second best to gaming. Never let them feel alone. Grow a pair of and be there for them. Those games are not going anywhere. Take care of your partner before you worry about yourself, and I can guarantee that the love and consideration will come right back around, and you'll find yourself gaming guilt-free. Let's move on to the phones. The phones can destroy your relationship. There are so many people that are addicted to their phones, and it's not just a young generation, so don't even go there. I know so many old f- that are glued to their phones, too. They may not be using the same apps as the young ones, but they are just as addicted. Phones are the biggest thieves right now. They do nothing but steal time. I have very good time management, and so many people often ask me, how do you find time to do this? How do you find time to do that? The simple answer is that I don't go on the phone as often as they do. When I the phone stays in my pocket or on the desk. Five minutes go into a session. Not a damn hour that many of you people with numb go through. That right there alone, I gain 55 more minutes than you. So many of you give your phones way more attention than you give your partner. Workaholic, phone, 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 phone. The workaholic's partner, social media, phone, 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 phone. People that are addicted to their phones need that constant connection. Most of you fools don't even realize that your phone addiction is causing a rift in your relationship. You're sucked into technology. You're spending 11 plus hours a day on those screens. And guess what? You're losing out on precious time. And stop bringing your phone to bed. When you go to bed, buy the nice stamp. Sure. But there are many people that after sex, before bed, and after they wake up, phone, 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 phone. You guys don't realize you're pushing each other away. It's not healthy. Now, I'm not saying to get rid of your phone, but just like what I said about gaming, there is a time and a place for everything. My wife doesn't have a lot of hobbies like I do. If she's not cookie decorating and if she's not napping, she's on a phone. That's fine because it's her free time to do whatever she wants to do. What I have a problem with the phone addicts is that when I'm having a meal with them, phone. Having a conversation with them, mid-conversation, phone. I go to a restaurant and see people on dates, both of them on phones, theater, all of their friends, all people together, phone, 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 phone. I'm in Disney. No one's talking in line. They're all on the phone. They slow down on the highway, driving like kangaroos. You guessed it. Why? Phone. I'm at a store. Someone's blocking the aisle. Phone. Nobody looks into each other's eyes anymore. Why? Because of the phone. There are so many different scenarios with the phone addicts that it's ridiculous. I have a phone. I have the same apps. But I know when to use it and when not to use it. And the f***ed up part is that there are people that I'm connected to on social media who get really upset when I don't respond quickly. Hey, it's called the f***ing life. I get it. I get it. Phones are great. It's powerful. You can do it amazing things. I love how I can get answers quick. Hey, what is that actor from? One minute. Got the answer. It's a GPS. It's my radio. It's my personal assistant. I love it but it will never be more important than my wife it will never be more important than my children i make my phone my i don't let my phone make me a let's move on next is what do you feel like eating argument i was thinking we should go out to eat tonight sounds good what do you want to eat i don't know whatever you want i'm craving taco bell let's go sit somewhere nicer okay um what do you have in mind i don't care pick something all right uh what about buffalo wild wings i don't want that 
Plus, it smells bad in there because of the, you know, the carpets. How about Morton's? I'm not dressed for that. How about P.F. Chang's? I feel like you gotta be dressed up for that, too. You don't have to be all dressed up there, but whatever. So, nowhere really nice, but no quick service. How about Chili's? I don't know, maybe. Cheesecake Factory? I don't have the calories for that. You can eat there and not get a cheesecake. Who goes to the Cheesecake Factory and not get a cheesecake? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, what do you want to eat then? Seriously, I don't care. Joe's Crab Shack? I'll be down for some hush puppies. I don't want seafood. Make up your mind. You said you don't care, but you keep saying no to everything, so just... Tell me what you want to eat. It doesn't matter. Just pick something. Okay, I want buffalo wild wings. I already told you I don't But want I thought you said it didn't matter. It doesn't. So then let's go to TGI Friday. I don't want that. Just do whatever. I don't care. It's always the same argument. You always fight about because you can't make a decision. Why does it always have to fall on because me? Because the reality is that I don't give a But you give a If you said I want to eat a salad for Wendy's, I got to eat there. I actually don't care. You're the one that's picky. I'm not picky. <laughs> You are. I don't want to go out anymore. Why? Because you turn something nice into something negative. You said it's whatever I wanted, and I tell you all the things that I want, and you shut every single one down. So there's clearly something that you want that I can't seem to figure out. I don't care. You think this is the game? Why are you making it so complicated? It shouldn't be this hard to pick something to eat. You're right. This shouldn't be complicated, but guess who makes it complicated by giving attitudes? It's because I'm annoyed with you. Just take me home. So you're not eating? No. Are you sure? Yes. Well, on the way home, I'm stopping at Buffalo Wild Wings for myself. You're really going out to eat without me? Yep. You are so f selfish. Ha! <laughs> Fine, I know what I want to eat. Finally! Give a round of applause to my wife for making a f decision! I want tortilla chips. Of course you would pick that. That's what I want. You picked the one thing I absolutely hate. You know how much I hate Mexican food. Well, that's what I picked. <laughs> Damn, this is a popular argument that everybody knows. It used to drive me nuts. I get it. One person can literally eat anything and the other one can't seem to pick anything. This fight is tiring and so frustrating. Guess what? I got the secret. It's so very simple to master and this argument will never happen again. I'm the one that can eat anywhere and almost anything. So if you're like me, this is what you have to do. First, see through your partner's point of view. This is what I mean. I live in Irvine, California. It's about 66 square miles. For many of you, it's not that big, but I typed burgers and Yelp, and there are about 13 to 14 pages of restaurants that serve burgers within a 10-mile radius. Pizza, 23 to 24 pages. My point is that how can I expect my wife to remember every menu out there? Hey, what do you want to eat? I don't want the pressure, so I need you to think of every restaurant close to us and just pick something. I couldn't even do that. I've been in many situations where I had to choose just for myself, and it was pretty damn hard to just choose. There was too many options. After realizing the amount of pressure I put my wife on, this is what I did, and I still do now. First, I ask her if there's any cravings that she has. Sometimes she saw a commercial. Maybe she heard something on the radio. Maybe she saw an ad on social media. Maybe she was talking about it with a coworker or a friend. The agreement that I have with her that if she craves something, don't be around the bush, just say it. So if she has no cravings, I pick three of my favorite things to eat. But I don't just name the place. I name the items that she enjoys from those places. So instead of saying, you want Yard House? You want Cheesecake Factory? You want P.F. Chang's? I say, do you want to share nachos and have some beer at the Yard House? Or do you want a dulce leche cheesecake from the Cheesecake Factory? Or do you want some honey shrimp and garlic noodles from P.F. Chang's? Eight out of ten times, there is a spark. It only fails if she doesn't want to go out 
or she doesn't want takeout from those specific places. Because, you know, sometimes it's better to sit in the restaurant than taking the food out. Just tastes better. I just helped her choose by saying her favorite items without her having to think about it. And guess what? No argument. If you truly care for your partner, you would know what your partner loves to eat. You would know what he or she hates to eat. You'll know if they're on a diet. You'll know if they're a vegetarian. You'll know if they have a gluten intolerance. You'll know if they have food allergies. If you paid attention, you will know everything. Another thing to note is that it is okay to not eat what your partner wants. There are times where I wasn't feeling Chick-fil-A, which is her favorite fast food place. And this is an unpopular opinion, but I don't see the big deal about Chick-fil-A. Four things that I like in Chick-fil-A. I like the spicy grilled chicken sandwich, which was always limited. So right now they don't have that. There was the waffle fries with the Polynesian sauce, the diet lemonade, and the Southwest salad. That's it. But if I'm not feeling any of those items, I would get nachos or a sub from somewhere. And I always get my food first so that theirs are more fresh. It took a little bit to my wife to get through that tough mindset that I didn't mind he reheating my food or having it a little later. But I do try to pick something around the place she's getting food from. So if we're getting Chick-fil-A at the Tustin District Center, I'll pick up some Payway. If the chick is in the Woodbury Center in Irvine, I'm probably going to get French bread at Panera, some chips and sandwich stuff from Rouse, and I'm making a sub at home. If it's the Chick-fil-A at the Foothill Ranch, then I'm having Rubio's chopped salad with some steak. You get what I'm throwing at you. Sometimes you need to have the balls to be a leader. Sometimes you have to pick. My wife and I are calorie counters, and it's what helps us lose and maintain weight. So picking something out to eat is a little hard because if we don't feel like cooking at home, we have to choose something that is worth ruining our diet over. Food is the dumbest thing to fight over. Think about it. I can't talk to her. He makes me so mad. I need to break up. Why? What happened? We couldn't pick something to eat, and so we got nasty with each other. And some of you right now feel stupid. Good. I want you to feel stupid because it is stupid. Listen, I did the same thing as you did back then. I did in the beginning of our relationship. But now we haven't argued about food in years and it feels wonderful. The key is to be honest. You crave something, say it. Don't like something, say it. Don't be around the bush. Don't play any mind games. Just say it. Have a good time. Enjoy the food together. And if you're in a position where you didn't get what you want, guess what? The same damn restaurant will more than likely still be there tomorrow. It's not the end of the world. The next argument also has to do with food. Man, I'm hungry. You want something to eat? No, I'm good, babe. You sure? Yeah, I'm good. I'm not hungry. All right. I feel like having some chicken nuggets from Mickey D's. You sure you don't want anything? I'm good. I don't want anything. Are you sure? I'm only getting a 10-piece with some sweet and sour for myself. If you want something, I'll get you something. This is my food. I said I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I'm not hungry. Okay. I'm not sharing my food. Okay. How can I help you? Hi, can I get a 10-piece nugget with uh, sweet and sour sauce? Would that be all? Yes. First window. Thank you. Six twenty-one. Are you sure you don't want anything to eat or drink? I can add to the order right now. I'm good. Okay. Here's your card back. Have a great day. Here you go. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. What are you doing? What? You're eating my food. It's just a nugget. What did I just say? I just wanted a bite. That's not a bite. That's a whole chicken nugget. I thought you weren't hungry. Well, I'm a little hungry now. How the f*** 
do you get hungry all of a sudden? I smelled the food and now I'm hungry. That's my food. I wanted a 10-piece nugget, not a 9-piece nugget. And you're eating another nugget. What am I supposed to eat? I'm hungry. This is why I asked you what the f you wanted to eat. You always do this. I don't know why you're getting all worked up. It's just food. I asked you a hundred times. You didn't ask me a hundred times. Don't exaggerate. I asked you if you wanted something. Are you hungry? No, I'm not hungry. I'm fine. I'm good. Why do you do this all the time? This is my food. You sound like a little kid. I can't believe you're getting all mad because of chicken nuggets. I take a couple of bites and now you have to yell at me. No, 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 no. You're not going to flip this and make me the bad guy. You love your Starbucks latte things, right? What if we go to Starbucks and you ask me if I wanted something and I say, no thanks. Then you order your vanilla bean frappa or whatever it's called and I drink half of it. Would you like that? I wouldn't care. I wouldn't be acting like a f***ing Bullshit. You're such a f***ing liar. You would be pissed if I drank your precious Starbucks coffee. That's how this it's is. It's not the same. What's so funny? I can't believe how upset you got because of food. I'm not pissed because of food. I'm pissed because you can never make a decision. Then when I make a suggestion, you shut it down. Oh, I know why. I know why. Why you say no to everything I suggest. Why? I finally understand. Are you going to say it? It's because you can't stand to see me happy. Oh, whatever. No, no, no. Every place I suggest is something I like, right? And you can't stand to see me happy. You can't stand that something so very simple can give me such satisfaction. You want me just as and miserable as you. You are so full of yourself. It's hilarious. No, what's hilarious is that you can't tell me what the you want. Because I'm not hungry. It's not just food. You're always playing games. I don't play games. Yes, you do. Why not say what you one. Why is it that you're always giving me because I can't read your mind? I don't want you to read my mind, idiot. I want you to pay attention to me. I do. No, you don't. I'm always telling you what I want. 95% of the time, you don't pay attention. I pay attention. Um, two days ago, do you remember me talking about what I saw on Etsy? No. See? Everything that comes out of my mouth, you ignore. You just brush it off. I the always... only time you listen to me is if we're going to fear something. You listen then. I just wish you would listen to me and pay attention to my wants and to my needs. It's simple. Just tell me what you want. For you to pay a intention. I've been seeing people argue about this so much lately, and it bothers the out of me. My frustration is not even towards the partner that can't decide. No, it's the selfish one that complains about the food being eaten. Oh, Steven, but that's his food. Listen, if that person loves his partner... If that person listened to his partner, if that person understood their partner, if that person gave a little damn about their partner, then there wouldn't be a f problem. Here's what I mean. My wife has done that in the past, but guess what I did? I ordered a little extra knowing that, just in case. That's how I grew up. My parents always ordered a little extra. Why? Because people change their minds. Because sometimes you just need that little extra. And if that little extra didn't get eaten right away and I didn't want any more, there's a lovely thing called leftovers. You are a little If you people, especially men, whine. Don't touch my food. Touch my food. She should have ordered. It's food. It's not the end of the world. If your partner ate your food and you wanted a certain amount and didn't get extra, guess what you should do? Turn the f around. It's mostly men that act like over food. Your partner wants to try some of your food. Learn to share. 
My goodness, this is frustrating. You know how dumb it is that so many men can't share their food with their partners? And these are adults, not children, adult men. Now, that doesn't excuse to share it to just grab. I've seen people do that, especially women. They just grab the food without a care. It's rude. Just ask your partner, can I have some? And if your partner doesn't want to share, order some more. More than likely, your partner is paying for it. And that's not some misogynistic. Most of the time, that partner is paying for it. So let them pay for some more food so you go and enjoy it too. And I understand that there are people who grew up where they had to protect their own food, especially living with selfish family members. But if you don't like to share, you need to stay single. And I'm talking to that person who have been in relationship for a long time and they still don't know what their partners will do. They act surprised every time. They get angry every time. They never learn because they're idiots. Before I leave this house, I always ask my wife if she wants anything. Most of the time, the answer is no, thank you. But if I'm at Walgreens or CVS, I get her a Cold Zero, a Pellegrino. And if she doesn't have any Cadbury milk chocolate bar in the pantry, which she loves, I'm buying one. I don't care if she doesn't eat or drink it that day. The next day, she might want to. The kids are not allowed to touch her treats because they have their own treats. So she can eat it whenever she wants. If I'm at Ralph's, I'll pick her up some sugar cookies. Even though she makes some of the best sugar cookies I've ever tasted, she still enjoys eating Ralph's sugar cookies. If I get some Raising Cane's, I make sure there are at least a couple more tenders and be willing to share some fries, even though she didn't want anything there. I prep for it because I know my wife. I pay attention to what she likes and what she doesn't like. I don't act like a baby because I wanted it all for myself. Let's move on to the last argument. This one is about children. Dad, can I have a snack? Uh, no. Dinner's gonna be ready soon. Mom, can I have a snack? What did I just say? Just one small snack. Dinner's almost ready. Thank you. Why would you do that? What? Undermine me. I know you heard me say no to the snack. It's rude. You're showing her what Dad says. Our child is hungry and wants a snack. Why would I say no? Yeah, what kind of snack? A snack? Yeah, not a apple, not a fruit, no, candy, or a cookie. It's always sugar. Are you saying I don't care about our child's health? I'm not saying that. But you're implying that. I didn't say that. I just don't want you to undermine me in front of the kid. You always do that. No, I don't. How about last night? She wanted to watch one more episode of Gumball, which is like, what, 11 minutes. As soon as I said yes, you told her to turn it off. Because she needed to bathe. She does great in school, does her chores, listens really well, does her homework. She deserves a little break. Now I'm a bad mom for not letting her watch more TV. Not understanding what I'm trying to say. I'm not a bad mom. Nobody said that. Why can't we be on the same page when it comes to our child? Oh, you want to talk about being on the same page? I'll tell you what. The day you help me with her is the same day I will not say anything. I won't undermine you anymore. What do you mean I don't help out with our child? First, understand that I work too. Okay, congratulations. Now don't be a f Listen, even though I work full-time like you, I do all the household chores just because I get home earlier than you do. It suddenly became my job to make dinner, to clean up, make sure that she did her homework, and at night I, I have to get her ready for bed. When she was little, I'd bathe her, read to her and all of that, and what the f*** do you do? I work longer and more tired than you. Are you kidding me? You don't think that I'm tired? What the f*** do you think I do at work? I don't know. You think I sit in my all day just I don't know what the The fact that you don't care. You come home and you sit right the f down. You don't even offer to help. No, you got a nice, hot, home-cooked meal. You take long showers, and sometimes you play with our child. Sometimes. She knows who her dad is, but you treat her like a stranger most times. I just wish you could help me raise our child. 
I have a fear of getting pregnant again because I don't know how I would do it. My sister has four kids and can't get it done. You know why? Because her husband helps with the children. You're being dramatic. You act like I don't do shit. I do things with our daughter too, and I also do shit around the house. Like what? The yard. Once a month. I'm always fixing shit. You either have or take months to get the whole damn thing done. What the hell are you talking about? I'll ask you, where is the drill? Since you don't want me to touch it. Your precious tools. You ask why. I tell you that, that we need to fix the hinge on the door. You say, I'm gonna do it. But you never get to it. Then when I do it my own, or try to, you get all bent out of shape. Sometimes I forget. What the f*** do you want me to do? Oh, do you forget to help me discipline our daughter? Do you forget to help me with her school stuff? Do you forget to help me answer questions that she might have? Do you forget to take her to the doctor and to take care of her when she's sick? Anytime I try to help, I'm doing it wrong. I discipline, nope, that's not how I was raised. That's not what my dad did. When it comes to school, you don't trust that I can teach them things and I can help them too. So guess what you do? You take over. You control every thing and then you get overwhelmed with all of it because you want to do it all. And then you have the boss to go and tell other people that I don't do anything around the house. You are absolutely delusional and a liar. This is what you do. Hey, I did something with my daughter today. Hey, I did the dishes. Where's my praise? Can we f*** now? Washing the dishes, doing the laundry, caring for our daughter, or any other tasks that comes with marriage is not just about getting praise or just helping out. It's about pulling your own weight. You are not a child. I shouldn't have to ask you to help. Help me put our daughter's jacket away, or rinse your plate, or put clothes in the basket, or get our daughter ready for bed, or fold your laundry. I'm not the only one who lives here. The first thing I have to say, don't argue in front of the kids. You want your children to argue like you? Keep doing it. When they get into a relationship, they're going to argue just as hard as you and your partner did. It's all they know. They have no experience except from watching you. Children want to see their parents working together as a team. As soon as you start arguing in front of them, and it's about them, too, you're messing with their mind. Don't argue in front of them. Best thing to do to avoid that is to go to a different room in an area where it's really hard to eavesdrop and then discuss the issue. You're a bunch of children if you can't say, let's talk about it in a little bit. Let's go move to the other room. That you have to like get nuts right there. Always get your partner's back. I said that before. Always get your partner's back. If you disagree, talk it out with your partner away from the children. No undermining. Couples with children will disagree on a lot of things, especially when it's their first child. Until their children are out of the house, actually, even after the children leave, there's going to be new experiences, new challenges for the couples to argue about. People grow up differently, so they're going to parent a slightly better way than they were raised. And oh my goodness, the amount of advice from family members, friends, and even people without children that's going to come your way. Everyone has their own way of parenting. Everyone has a f***ing opinion about how to raise your kid. This is what I always say to the new parent. Taking all the advice, remember everything you learned in books, everything you remember growing up and make decisions together. It doesn't matter what anybody who lives outside of your home says. It is your family. Screw whoever has a problem with the way you're raising your children. Parenting is a partnership. Learn to respect and compromise. In many cases, one tends to be stricter and the other one tends to be nicer. The good cop, the bad cop. I'm the bad cop. Couples need to stand together when parenting. Sit down regularly to talk through things. Even when you disagree, show that you are united. Children will always be challenging. Could be an infant crying and screaming through the night. Could be about what foods to feed them, what they're wearing. 
figuring out the best school district, dealing with their tantrums, raising a child with special needs, choosing the right daycare, how to punish them without beating the life out of them, teaching them moral values, worrying if you have everything your child needs, giving your child what they need without turning them spoiled. Getting children to learn proper hygiene when they're sick, when your children argue and get into physical confrontations, whether or not you know the answer to all of their questions, making sure they're dressed well, making sure they get to school on time, toilet training time, dealing with bullies. The list can go on and on and it will always feel like it doesn't stop. My children are still young, but there are parents who have adult children, meaning it doesn't stop even when they become adults. Parents have to worry about their adult children, whether they have crossed boundaries, if they raised their children right, thinking maybe they could have done better, wondering if they were being too critical. What kind of grandparents are they going to be? Are they going to like the daughter or son-in-law and their family? Are their adult children going to keep in contact? Like when the children are little, the list can go on and on too for adult children. It doesn't matter if they're one years old, 13 years old, 25 years old, 40 years old. You have to have each other's back no matter what. Never throw your partner under the bus. You have to talk to each other and you have to listen to each other. Like I said, we all have different belief systems and always have different ways of communicating with each other. No one's the same. That is why it is so very important to always come together. Love each other. Children see that. Many times couples put their relationships on hold just to parent. Don't do that. You want your children to have great relationships because you wish them the best. Show them the right way of doing things. Don't show them the toxic way of doing things. I've only shown you the most common arguments. If I had maybe two more months in researching, writing, and planning, I could have added more arguments and more solutions to the one you just heard. Whether you're fighting about any of these things you heard today or going through the I'm stressed out argument, the why don't you listen to me argument, the falling asleep together argument, the directions argument, the ruining laundry argument, the what to name your child argument, the planning the future argument, the tell me what you mean argument, the my day was bad so now it's your fault argument, the what to watch argument, the cheating in the dreams argument, the hogging all the covers argument, the toilet manners argument, the temperature control argument, the annoying habits argument, when they're messier than your realized argument, being late argument, the religion argument, or what to wear argument, it's not worth the headache and heartache. There are many more reasons why people argue. It could be small and it could be a big deal. Just know that it only takes one second to say, I love you, to say, I'm sorry, to say, can we talk, to admit that your partner was right. Stop letting pride and your stupid ego mess up your relationship. A great life is how your partner greets you at the door when you sit together for a meal or when you're driving somewhere. Those are small things that count. Those small amounts of time adds up. One of the secrets I learned a long time ago is to master those small things. Be the best that you can be in those small things. And I'm telling you, it will lead to a great relationship. The little things always let my wife know that she is always in my heart and always on my mind. I want you to listen to this. Hi, baby. I'm Baby, you have to listen to me carefully. I'm on a plane that's been hijacked. I'm on the plane. I'm calling from the plane. I want to tell you I love you. Please tell my children that I love them very much. And I'm so sorry, babe. I hope to be able to see your face again, baby. I love you. Bye. You do not want your argument to be the last thing you said to your partner. Can you imagine? You ate my food. Spend time with me. Just pick something to eat. What if those were the last thing you talked about before they passed away? It's easy to argue. It's easy to call each other names. I want you to think about a plate. Imagine it thrown on the ground. 
Now say sorry to the plate. It will never be the same. You have to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If your partner messed up, say it. If something bothers you, say it. It doesn't matter if it leads to a heated discussion. If you remain calm and talk without anger, you will win and your partner will come around. Here's another way of looking at it. Be glad that he is willing to fix the problem because something would be really wrong if he didn't care to fix it. A partner who is pissed as hell and can still call you back after an argument just to remind you that no matter how things are messed up, that he is happy that you're in his life. After every time my wife and I argue, one of us always says, why you got to be so difficult? If my wife asked that first, I'll respond with, well, I got to keep you on your toes. It can't get too comfortable. If I asked it first, she'll respond with, well, you're not a walk in the park. And I'll say, nope, I'm a breeze in the park. She knows I love her no matter what. Men are raised to learn how to treat a woman and what to expect from a woman. Women are taught what to expect from a man, but not how to treat a man. So how the hell are you supposed to know what a man is thinking or what they want? You got your own problems that life throws at you. And like I said, our wine and shine host will go more into the woman's mindset. Here's something else I noticed taking my boys to the toy section in Target. Growing up, boys were given toys and sports things to play with. Things you could do outside, indoors. It was fun. Girls are given baby dolls and registers and homemaker things. They are taught early on how to be mature. While girls are playing house, the boys are playing in the dirt with their Tonka trucks. So it takes a little longer for men to catch up. Now, this does not excuse the pathetic, toxic men out there. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.33 that the man should love his wife as he loves himself and that the wife should respect her husband. So the husband are called to love and wives are called to respect. God created each woman with a deep desire to feel loved and God created each man with a deep desire to feel respected. So men, if you feel like your partner doesn't respect you, you have to ask yourself, are you showering your partner with love? I want your listeners to feel the same as I do to be able to love someone as much as I love my wife. Once you get rid of all the dumb arguments and learn to get through them peacefully, there will be more good and more happiness. There's still going to be fights. There will always be something new that's thrown right in front of you and your partner. And since you both never been through that experience, you're going to more than likely argue about it. However, instead of having a huge fight that comes right back around, you can both get through it gracefully. Think about this. You have five minutes left to live and you only could sit down with one person to talk to them. You'll be spending the last minutes of your life with this person. Who would it be? Well, for me, that's my wife. And I really hope that your partner's yours. For the 15th time this week, I've sat in this dumb position, cutting off my circulation. I'm stuck sitting at the 2022 World 10-Ball Championships. I can't even play pool, read these fancy-ass scores, or cheer without getting some kind of eye roll. I'm here to support a friend that's supporting a friend, you know, that uh, backup cheerleader. I've now learned that pool requires library silence to spectate. So I perch myself cross-legged in a Native American position, and I let my right leg overlap my left. And somewhere halfway between this match between Ushan and Fondel, my left leg officially went pins and needles sleeping. Train's soul sister softly plays in the background. And I think it could be worse. But it's definitely not my chosen montage music for this ass kicking to go down. Now, I don't want to be a drama queen, but if I don't change leg positions, I could literally lose my leg. Tissue in my leg will die due to lack of oxygen and nutrients, which leads to infection and gangrene. 
Without blood supply, your limbs and extremities become unsalvageable after six to eight hours. This pool tournament lasts three days, if, if all goes well. You know what, uh, I am being a total drama queen, though. I mean, you'd really have to do a good job cutting off circulation to lose a limb. A hell of a lot more than this Indian style. But you know what? I've been thinking. I've been a victim of my own cut-off circulation the majority of my life. The stupidest time was not the first, but it was definitely a moment of retardation. I had to be no greater than five years old, and I wanted to join the cool kids club. And you know what cool kids wear? Nah, it's not tie-dye bananas. Well, actually, yes, tie-dye bananas are cool, but that's not the point, and that's not the punchline. Cool kids wear... toe rings. Yes, that's it. Toe rings. If you're in a small beach community like what I used to live in, toe rings were the in thing. And my little kindergarten self took it upon me to make a beautiful toe ring out of a zip tie. And I latched it on so tight that I gave myself a matching purple end of my toe. Unbeknownst to me, this was not a good thing. I go to show my dad and he lets out a very good impression of the Homer Simpson scream. (coughs) After that, he resorts to calling an ambulance and they quickly cut it off with a small pair of clipping pliers. I did learn my lesson. No zip ties should be affixed to my body anywhere. But these are actually very good alternatives to handcuffs. Keep this in mind for your civilian arrest. The next time I do another purposeful version of cutting off my circulation, I was just getting into middle school. And if you're familiar with the past podcast, you might have heard my rant that middle schoolers are the worst. They're the friggin' worst. Tell me I'm wrong and I'll tell you that you are full of What if there wasn't a middle school, you know? Would they still be It's like that Shakespeare line. Would a rose of any other name still smell quite as sweet? You know, probably. It's probably just that age group where they lump all into this little middle area. You just get three years of So, my dumb was a victim of this thing called the pass-out game, or the choking game. There was this big kid next door, Rose. She was the one to teach me what was cool. You know, she had a toe ring, and she knew that the pass-out game was definitely one of the coolest games of all. Me and my best friend Rose would take turns putting each other into headlocks until our bodies went limp from asphyxiation. Brain cells began dying within minutes of blood and oxygen deprivation. And if the arteries in your neck are cut off, it can lead to irreversible brain damage after five minutes. You know, if it's done well enough. Some people like to play the pass-out game by themselves. You know, they would use a rope or some kind of thing to just, like, yank on their neck, cut off their oxygen, and then they fall to the floor, and that could be terrible because you might die of some kind of concussion in that, too. But let me explain to you. There was no kinks about this, no ropes, belts, or ball gags. It was just something exciting about making your entire body experience the pins and needles euphoria. It was just what the big kids did, and they said was cool. I'm not sure how many times I actually participated, but each time, I thank God for letting me wake up. I also am thankful that he didn't let me commit homicide at 11 years old. You know, hey Rose, uh, is this tight enough? You're gonna feel it really good this time. I'm definitely ashamed of this part of my past. And I'm pretty sure that it contributed to a slew of issues I currently experience. Oftentimes I forget how to spell my name and I have to look at my ID. And I have the inability to distinguish between the left and the right without really thinking about it. Lefty-loosey, righty-tighty, shake it up. 
The left hand's the bad hand because I can't write with it. You know, in the U.S. alone, 82 children between the ages of 6 and 19 died after playing the choking game between 95 and 2007. And the CDC doesn't even mention all those vegetative state people that just didn't wake up or the modern-day walking-around people that just lost their brain from this. For whatever reason, the federal government stopped reporting statistics for this, and now they just lump them in with accidental strangulation or suicide. We don't know how many kids are just plain dumb because of this. School prevention programs avoid bringing up the game in fear of increasing its popularity. And I get it. Just think of how the D.A.R.E. program worked out. I mean, didn't we all do a little bit of drugs? I do them now. It was more just like an advertisement that drugs exist. They're cool, especially because they don't want you to do them. I have a one-year-old. How am I going to prevent her from making the same mistakes that I did? This was no injury pinned upon me. I, just like Joe Biden, I did that. My only solution that I can come up with is actually just snooping, looking through the cracks of her door, making sure, you know, questioning, why is your belt there? What's this big kid doing with you? What what kind of fun things are you doing these days? And try to create that open, honest communication and still snooping because, you know, the kids like to record these weird things. There's so many YouTube videos of these kids playing the choking games by themselves. Haha, ha, it's so funny. I don't know, uh, can we really prevent this? Or do we just hope that our kids are smart enough to treat their body like a temple? If you have any ideas, uh, don't shy away because it's coming. And uh, if you're wondering, Ushan totally kicked this game. It just ended and shaking my leg out. Shaking it. Shaking it. <sighs> Catch you later. You know what time it is? It's the King Ducky Show. Quack out of the game if you don't give a Come on. Hear you cracking, y'all? Come on, quack, 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 quack. Hey, out of placers! It's another month, another episode of the King Ducky Show, another episode of the Out of Place Podcast, and boy, has this month been crazy. Chris Rock got the slapped out of him. That was insane. I don't know how to feel about it, honestly. I feel like it might have been staged because Chris Rock and Will Smith, they've been in movies for pretty much this whole like last like two decades. Especially Will Smith. He's been in tons of action movies. And yeah, they're both getting older, but I, I think it might have been staged. That all went a little too smoothly for Will Smith, uh, especially with uh, him actually walking up on stage. Doesn't really make sense how he was able to just walk right on up there. But with all the Ukraine going on right now, I, I just want to be able to live some spirits. There's too much stuff going on right now. Gas prices are high. Graphics cards are still way too expensive. Uh, April 1st is coming up, so hearts are going to get broken. People are going to get fake cheated on, and so many parents are going to have heart attacks because kids are pregnant, and that's just how it is every year. So I went fishing out with my dad, right? We were just having a grand old time. We get out there before the sun comes up. It's cold. We're relaxing, and we're just having a grand old time. We're fishing. And here in the state of Texas, uh, I'm pretty sure every other state you got to have a fishing license, but here where I am in Texas, game wardens, insane. And they're a very vital part of this story. So me and my dad are fishing. We got the minnows in the water. We got about eight poles. We're going to catch something today. Turns out <laughs> we didn't catch nothing. And it's about, I said we got out there around like 6.30 in the morning and it's 12. And we're like, you know what? We're not going to catch anything. We're going to go ahead and call it quits. Uh, and then game warden pulls up. So I'm walking 
few of the poles and chairs back to back to the truck. And Game Warden stops me. He says, hey, can I see your fishing license? And I said, yeah, sure. Uh, no problem with that. So I show him my fishing license and we're good to go. I was like, okay, cool. This will be a quick, easy thing. Then Game Warden and his Game Warden buddy, they look at each other for a second and then they look at me. In my head, I'm like, what's going on? There's something wrong with my fishing license. Because at Walmart, when I got my fishing license, the lady was like, oh, we could do the thing for the veterans. And I was like, no, you don't have to. She kept talking about canceling it and redoing it. I was like, maybe she actually did cancel it. Forgot to redo it. No, my fishing license was fine. Game Warden looks at me and he says, hey, you've been smoking weed today. I was like, no, I don't smoke weed. He's like, you sure? I was like, yeah, I'm sure. He's like, empty your pockets for me. So I empty out my pockets. I got my phone, my wallet. I got my vape. And he's like, what is that? He gets all antsy. I was like, it's just my vape. He's like, is it THC? I was like, no, it's nicotine vape. (laughs) This man literally takes up my vape and takes it out to go test it, right? And he comes back and he's like, okay, okay, it checks out. His buddy now comes back and he's like, are you sure you haven't smoked any weed today? It's wafting off you heavily. I smell my clothes. They smell like fish and water and I smell my pits. He's like, maybe I got some BO going on. It's like, no, I got my deodorant fresh. It's smelling good. And I just like look at him and I was like, no, you don't. You don't smell it. He's like, we do. We do smell it. He's like, just don't do it in the park. I was like, I don't smoke weed. I don't like it. It's not fun. <laughs> and he's like, uh-huh, sure. Just next time we see you out here, if you smell like weed, we're taking you in. And that's just crazy. Like, why? Why Why come after me? I didn't do anything. Yeah, I was in a hoodie and sweatpants, but that's because it was cold in the morning. But whatever. If you're a game warden or any sort of like authority figure eh, listening to the Out of Place podcast, please don't do that. Please don't try to frame somebody for something if you got something in your pocket. Don't do that. Now, on to the Will Smith slap. This is what I really wanted to talk about. (laughs) All right, so that whole thing with the the, keep my wife's name out your mouth. Like, that 100% like gave off to me. Like, Will Smith's uh, yelling at Sam from I Am Legend. The the mannequin, whenever he meets him out in the street, that gives me that kind of vibe. And so that's why I think it's staged. Like, not only does the slap and nothing happens to Will after the slap, like you would think security would be all over Will Smith after slapping the host, but no. He goes and he sits down and he has time to yell at Chris Rock saying, keep my wife's name out your mouth. It's got to be staged. Yeah, it's got to be. I can't see a reason why it wouldn't be staged. Yeah, it was a funny joke, the whole G.I. Jane thing. And he's Chris Rock's a comedian, but still, it has to be staged. I can't see any other reason. And if you guys would like to argue that, you can come over to my Twitch chat and be like, oh no, fucking Chris Rock and Will Smith have been beef. Some like that. I don't know. And yeah, Jada was kind of wrong. <laughs> yeah, with that open relationship thing, but that's that's another time. <laughs> so how are you guys doing? You guys doing all right? You out of placers? I don't know if many other out of placers actually listen to my show. That'd be kind of cool. Before getting on the show, I kind of idolized everybody else. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, Steven's a cool dude. Uh, since COVID's dying down, I kind of want to talk about this a little bit. I got the COVID vaccine when it first came out. Army said everyone in our unit is getting vaxxed. And uh, right before I got out, the army was like, you know what? You might as well get it before you go. And so I said, sure. Okay, why not? And uh, I got the vaccine a couple months ago. I caught COVID. And for all those people who are like, oh, the vaccine will make it to where you can't get to COVID. No, you 100% can get it. I suffered. It sucked. 
I felt like I got hit by a truck. COVID sucks. <laughs> if you ever had COVID, I'm sorry. Um, you deserve an ice cream and a pat on the back and probably COVID pay from whatever job you work at. Because I definitely didn't get COVID pay because my employer said, nah, we'll just uh, leave you off for two weeks and hope that you can manage to pay your bills without a paycheck. <laughs> It's fine. I got Twitch and someday that'll pay off. No. <laughs> so I hear you asking, Ducky, why is this this version, this this episode of the podcast is so all over the place? And it's because this month's kind of been crazy. And I just wanted to talk about some stuff other than like politics and Ukraine war. I just wanted to talk about the weird that's going on in the world. Like graphics cards are still twelve hundred dollars. Twelve, not twelve hundred. I wish twelve thousand dollars. And Gas prices are still $4 for a gallon. It's crazy. People are getting banned on Twitch because they don't want to play with women. You know what? Women, if you're if if any of us are watch Twitch, you can come over to my Twitch stream. I'll play with you. You won't get banned in my chat. I'm very woman friendly. <laughs> Bad choice of words. It's kind of funny, though. So, yeah, I didn't want to talk about any of the politics or stuff like that. I didn't want to bring stuff into that. That's that's Steven's job. I'll let him take care of it. He's been doing it a lot longer than I have. <laughs> so, yeah, I hope all of you know that you guys look fantastic today, including you, Gary. You look stunning. You go out there, handle it. And I'm proud of all of you. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And welcome to the Wine and Shine podcast. This is episode one, and I am your host, Luna Wilson. I know that everybody like instantly thinks of the cat from Sailor Moon, Luna, the one with the, you know, crescent moon on her forehead, which is exactly where the name came from. I love it. I personally feel like it fits me because, you know, it's my name, <laughs> of course. But this is my first time hosting a podcast. A little bit of a background about me is that number one, I'm not very charismatic here. <laughs> That'll improve. I promise. I'm just nervous. A little bit of background about me. I am in college. I am studying to be a nurse. I got my associate's degree, which is super, super exciting. And I'm about to get my bachelor as well. I'm pretty close to getting my bachelor's. Still have a ways to go. Med school is really, really difficult, let me tell you that. But very rewarding. So on the side of school, I do voice acting. Voice acting is something that I've been passionate about for the longest time now. I remember when I was 10 years old, I wanted to be an actress, but I never had the courage to pursue it. And I feel like voiceover came into my life for a reason because I wanted to do acting. Now I'm doing it behind the scenes, not on camera. But who knows? That could be subject to change, but we'll see where the journey takes me. But for now, to keep it short and sweet, I will be talking about life from a woman's perspective because I feel like 
like there's so many things that people need to be educated on. A lot of people need to know about. And I feel like it's important for people to jump out of their own minds and look at things from a different perspective. So I'll be talking about the ups and downs, the highs and lows, and everything in between being a woman. And I'll even sprinkle in some of my own embarrassing personal stories in there. But I'm not worried about that because you can't see my face because I'm behind a microphone. Isn't that funny? But I can't wait to share with you guys about my embarrassing stories. Um, some of the topics I talk about on here will be heavy and serious, and some of them will be more lighthearted. I myself am excited to do this, and I can learn more about myself through doing this, and I can learn more about other women's experiences by doing this. So I am very much excited. So this has been episode one of the Wine and Shine podcast. I promise I will be more charismatic in the future. But thank you guys so much for listening to episode one, and I will see you guys again soon. We're gonna take on the world! Don't you ever wonder if there's music out there that doesn't fit your everyday pop or maybe country or rock music? Something right in between or something entirely different? Well, you're in luck. I'm Sammy, the host of The Boombox. Today is a little intro to The Boombox, so let's start off with a recommendation of something we probably all know. Honestly, don't count on it, but here we are, starting off with... Drumroll, please. Mother Mother. Mother Mother is a wonderful band known for creating songs like Hayloft, Burning Pile, Oh Anna, and Body. What exactly do I like about Mother Mother? All of their songs have a story. One of them, Hayloft, is about two young lovers. Long story short, the girl's father shoots her partner. How lovely, right? The family ties people. Anyways, after the dad shoots the girl's partner, she mourns and creates a plan to get back at her dad and make him pay. This is where Hayloft 2 comes in. This song describes how the daughter feels she has no choice but to shoot her father for what he did. In the end, she succeeds and she goes inside her house and enjoys a packet of fruit snacks. Okay, I'll admit the fruit snacks part was a lie, but you get the gist. Every Mother Mother song is unique and different, each telling a compelling story about a person, mindset, or place. Want more analyses of more songs like Hayloft or bands like Mother Mother? Then tune in to the Boombox.
Hi y'all, welcome to the new podcast, High Noon. It's about all things Western. I'm your host, Buffalo Bailey. Now, seeing that's the first episode, I'm just going to go through what this show will be structured like. Like this first segment, it will either be me talking about something I've chosen, and then there will be a little ad break that's not a real ad break, it's for comedy purposes. For today, I'm going to talk a little bit about me. I'm a woodsmith by trade, and I'm really into all things Western. I mean, I live there. Uh, and I just wanted to do a podcast, and this show gives me the opportunity to do that. Now, you may be wondering why I chose the host name Buffalo Bailey. Well, since it's a Western podcast, I thought I would be a little funny and go off of, like, Buffalo Bill. My name's Bailey, and I'm into buffalo, so I thought it fit. Buffaloes are just aesthetically pleasing to me. When I think of the West, I think of buffaloes roaming the wide open space out here. It's one thing I like about the West is it's not as cramped as everywhere else. It's almost like the land goes forever. This show will be talking about that in video games like Red Dead and Red Dead Redemption 2, and Western movies, Western music, like country and other forms, and stuff like rodeos, and all sorts of other Western stuff like Western apparel, history of the cowboy era, all things like that. Now I have a YouTube channel, it's called Two Idiots in a Closet, it was me and my sister, and we would just make funny little skits that were just audio, and they were pretty funny, and I'm gonna do a similar thing here in the little ad slots that I made for humor purposes. It will just be a little comedy skit in the middle of everything, so you can have a chuckle while listening about historical stuff as well. I just thought it'd be some nice comedy relief for all of you while you're listening to the show, and, you know, it'll be funny. They're all about all sorts of random stuff. It's just a way to put comedy in a little easier. Now, there will definitely be comedy in all the segments, at least a little anyway, but these little ag segments are going to be pure comedy. It might not have anything to do with the West or Western things at all, but they're there just for a laugh. That way, if you're not interested in the West, maybe you'll be interested in the short little comedy bits. That way, there's a little bit of something for everybody. And I'm going to show you one of those little ads right now. To the ad! Do you feel like you're trying too hard? Do you feel that you're so successful that it radiates off of you too much? Now, introducing Pate de Sofa. The only perfume that will make you smell like a lazy, unmotivated loser. With the overwhelming scent of B.O. and just a hint of cheese dust, you'll smell like you've never tried before. Pate de Sofa. The scent of failure. And we're back from the ad. Oh, no, humor subjective, but uh, I find that very hilarious. And if you don't get the joke, pate de sofa is couch potato in French. And there's going to be one of those in every episode. At least I'll try to get them in every episode. And who knows, maybe we'll have guests on. Maybe we'll even do interviews. It'd be cool to have, like, interviews of country singers on their new songs. That might be something that might be possible. Maybe we could even interview rodeo stars. Maybe we could even talk about guns from the 1800s, you know, like the revolvers. You can even talk about western dishes. If there's anything I haven't mentioned that you think should be in a western podcast, please tell me in the comments. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Oh, y'all have a good high new.
Thank you for listening to this episode. If you like the show, leave a like, leave a comment, submit a rating on iTunes, subscribe, follow, and ding our bell or whatever it is you want on the platform you're listening to this on. Just show us it out of place. Some love and tell and share with other people this podcast. Other than the streaming service you're listening to this on, you can also find the podcast on YouTube. Please also show some love to our wonderful host and all the fantastic voiceover artists you heard in this episode. If you want to contact them, click the link right next to their name. To our loyal listeners who made it to the end, we love you. We appreciate you. Goodbye. And always remember to smile. <laughs>